Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, David Brownstein. On the podcast today, we actually have someone who is the marketing director for the Rockstar Beer Festival. I know, you're thinking, there is such a thing? And yes, there is. Uh, we had the opportunity to talk to uh, Ryan Wicksuck today. Uh, Ryan, they, well, they, the Rockstar Beer Festival is basically for the beer aficionado. They do events all over the country and they used to do larger scale events until obviously COVID-19 came around and so they had to pivot and make all of their events virtual for the time being. Uh, that really fascinated me. I wanted to talk to them to see how they really, how you could do that, have a beer event online. And uh, you should want to listen to it because they really did it. They stepped up and came up with an incredible interactive experience for people uh, to be able to share together while online. Uh, you can actually partake in one this weekend. It is the legendary tale of Stone Brewing, the Stone Brewing Bureaucracy that's going on. Um, I like it's called the legendary tale of stone brewing told through beers. And that's going on September 5th. But first, the interview. Here is Ryan Wixick on the Return on Experience podcast. Can you hear me or see me? Uh, I can hear I, I, I cannot see you. Okay. Yeah, I went to my phone. wasn't working on my computer, but yeah, um, I'm ready. If, if you if you if you don't want to be seen, I, I got you. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still in bed, <laughs> but yeah, it's all it's all good. Hey, Matt, listen, you run you run a beer company. Mornings are are uh, voluntary, right? Like that's not. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, you, you didn't get into this business to be bright and bushy tail in the morning. That's that's not what a, a rock star beer festival company is about, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're just here, try to just wake up and get things done. Um, so thanks. Thank you for, for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, the main, one of the things I, I was just really impressed with you, man, was when you go on your website and you saw immediately you guys made this incredible pivot to do a lot of virtual events. I think a lot of people were hemming and hawing about what to do naturally, considering what's going on in the world. But you guys just, you went for it and you decided that you are going to get things going. Can you talk about just maybe that early process of uh, events where you're like, okay, what was is not going to be for a little bit. We got to transition. Yeah. So in the beginning, we really didn't know what to expect. We thought, you know, it was going to be a like two week, one month thing. And then they would allow festivals back in summer when the heat went up. But we just kind of like decided, hey, what can we do in the meantime? Because people just at that time, people were just so bored. Like Tiger King was like king. And that's like what everybody was talking about online. And people were just like, oh, I'm so bored at my house, you know, because it's a whole different lifestyle. So we're like, oh, let's just offer our group or, you know, the people who normally attend our events, like something different. And we thought it was going to be like a 200 person tasting event that we would do once and ended up being like thousands of people every event. And so it's been fun to keep up the demand <laughs> with everything. So we've been, we've been trying to target almost every city that we've done events in. That way, you know, it, we're appeasing our crowd because I know if people see us on Facebook or follow us on whatever social media platform, They'll be like, well, aren't you in our city? Um, so slowly by slowly, hopefully we'll get there. I mean, that's like, I think 36 cities we'd have to get to. It's the ultimate compliment, right? Like, why aren't you appeasing me? And you're like, I can't do everything. <laughs> yeah, but it's, exactly. It's a good thing. To people wanting your services, right? Um, did you guys have to go through, because obviously you probably, from doing events all different cities, you probably have a pretty good connection to your fan base and like, a general interest, but did you have to do a lot of logistics uh, 
reconfiguration in terms of doing all this stuff. I know, for example, uh, you send, and I don't know if it's typical for every single virtual festival you did, was like 10 beers about at a time to everyone who wanted to participate? Yeah, um, so logistics, it, it's really hardcore. Um, so the first one, we were just dealing with it the whole time. We kept dealing with the ABC department, which is in California, because our first events were in a uh, thing in our warehouses in California. Hmm. Um, and then just the whole shipping was, was you know, luckily we have the partners to do it now, but in the beginning it was just, everything was just, more than we could handle but luckily we got through it but logistically it was it was huge so i mean you're i would say nowadays when we do a virtual event it's probably less work than if we do an in-person event um just because all that goes into the day of event uh, but i think people uh, we've kind of figured it out so anytime we launch a new city we're kind of well aware of what needs to be done and uh, kind of like a template that we need to follow so yes in the beginning it sucked but now now we have a big hold of it and we understand what needs to be done per city is it I mean, obviously, a big part of what you guys do, obviously, beer, because uh, it's built into your, your brand. Um, but yeah. like you say, the, the rock star, obviously, you have this high level uh, of entertainment when it comes into that. Do you break it down to the nitty gritty in terms of everything with it, like bands, performers based on per city? Uh, I know you have theme level events. Can you go about sort of discussing like how you balance the whole uh, entertainment aspect of uh, the, the beer uh, is beer nerdiness a term? I don't know, but like the, yeah, yeah, of course. The 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 beardiness, uh, like that element, which obviously people probably really gravitate to, and the entertainment side of your events. Yeah, so when it comes down first off to the beer, um, we give them exactly what you'd see in a festival. So we don't just give them ten IPAs. We have to like get a pretty balanced uh, equate of different beers out there. Sometimes we even have inserted ciders and seltzers, um, just because that's that's when you go to beer fest. Those are what's huge. Uh, the biggest lines are out those uh, kind of beer companies and cetera's. Um, and then, you know, second off, we, we definitely need to balance it with enough band and cameos. So, like, we don't want people to be bored and we don't want them to guess, like, oh, it's beer, band, beer, band. So we insert trivia, we insert cameos from different celebrities. Um, we do little skits. Um, our group has always kind of done our own uh, videos as far as, like, promotion. So now we develop these cool skits for people to kind of laugh at. Um, or we find things online that we could use. Um, so it just... A, a balance of like just maintaining everyone's interest for an hour and a half and where they're not getting bored and not cringing at anything that they they're like at the end of the time they're like oh we need more um and so that's why i developed like an after party with virtual attendees to go see each other face to face so it's just a balancing act of like how do you appease people um and not just give them beer and not just put in bands like you got to do a lot more to make everyone excited especially in 2020 <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was going to say that, like, I was, I actually, when, when researching you and saw that a majority of your events were about two hours long, and as you said, you do an hour and a half for it, and then uh, maybe half hour for VIP. I'm like, that's smart. That's so smart, is that because literally having them want more, you know, they, yeah. you, we have a, a, a thought of just like, this is, a, is this long? Like, that's always a bad, <laughs> bad way to go. <laughs> People feel like you're dragging it out a little bit. Uh, yeah, exactly. Now, you got great entertainers to come and, and be part of some of these events. I was looking up online. You had, you had Mark McGrath at one, Gilbert Gottfried, uh, Tom Green at some. Okay, Gilbert Gottfried at a beer festival just has to be interesting right off the bat because the <laughs> energy he brings to it. Like, I'm not going to do a Gilbert Gottfried impression at this moment, but, but it's just like you can already feel the heat. I'm laughing already just him when you show him a certain IPA or a kind of beer. It's like, what is it called? It's like, that has to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, they um, we just wanted to keep people things. So they're just giving like little brief uh, intros on things and telling some jokes. Um, Tom Green's the one, and Stu Brewer the one that we actually had host events, mm-hmm. and Andy Milanakis. Um, so they're a little more entwined with drinking the beers and you know keeping people up to date and entertained. But the rest of them, we just had them come come in, say some things to kind of just keep the audience alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't know what our next step is. We might go back to hosting ourselves. Um, uh, we just kind of want to see. We, we throw out service to the audience almost every single time and kind of analyze what they their thoughts are. And so a lot of people really like the first month that we did things and we kind of hosted it internally. So we might actually go back to that format. Can you uh, talk about that a little bit more? Obviously, anyone's event that they do, it's all based on the audience. Like you're, if your audience loves it, you're golden. It's the, yeah. the, every major, you know, anyone's throwing a festival and event wants is their audience. Can you talk about a little bit of how you've cultivated that and how you listen to your audience and, and sort of like maybe tweak things, you're going one direction, maybe one in another direction based on an audience mm-hmm. reaction? Yeah, so I mean, obviously people all have, we, the le- we listen to more on like the content of what they want rather opposed to the beer of what they want because obviously everyone has their own idea of what beer should be in the boxes. And so you can't ever appease 2,000 people with a specific beer box. But when it comes to the content of what they want to see, like a lot of people have been gunning for the original stuff that we've been doing, um, which is, you know, kind of fan skits and, you know, internal things that people have seen us at festivals so they know who we are. Um, and so we just throw out little surveys here and there to small groups, not like the whole group, um, or we allow feedback. You know, if anybody writes into us, then we go hop on the phone with them and talk to them about their favorite parts. And so then just judging by all the stuff we on when we have our little team meetings once a week, uh, we just all give our input to say, hey, what should go in the next video? And uh, and, and like you've, you're like, okay, let's jump more into this, more skits rather than uh comedians like you you found like a, a good base of, of that oh one thing i want to know uh, music wise a blended you still find yourself leaning more rock is it a good blend of like hip-hop rock that you guys find you're you're mixing with oh um, it's a combination of everything uh sometimes we go with uh rock sometimes we go with pop reggae it just really depends on where uh this what the majority of the city that bought it so like you know obviously someplace like san diego we might go more reggae beachy vibe and someplace like LA, we might go more indie vibe um, or use actual entertainers like uh, like not local bands and more some known known artists just because that's kind of what they want. And when it's someplace like Las Vegas, you know, we might go something a little more EDM, a little more uh, synthesized or bass. So it all just depends on the market that we're seeing the most tickets selling it's or so the funny. market that we targeted for that event. So funny when you first think Nevada, you wouldn't immediately think EDM, but like, you're right. You're <laughs> 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 it's just over here. It's like they love their synthesizer. Even if you hop into any casino, they're playing like Avicii. You know, they're playing fucking slander. <laughs> they're they're playing they're playing the stuff that normally you see in clubs. But it just become like the culture in Vegas. So I, I lived in Vegas for like ten years. So I kind of seen it develop to what used to be an indie rock scene to now being like a huge EDM scene. Yeah, I mean, like Steve Aoki rules the land there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, now, obviously, you, you guys did virtual events had to fit in the same structure, but I know you're in uh, later on, you are moving to try to do some more specific themes, uh, wizards and, and witches beer, you're going to be doing that in the past, you've done Star Wars. What depends a good theme? like for, for a beer thing. Like in my mind, I was writing down ideas and I'm like, is it the beer puns that come into play? Like is that, if you can come up with 
five quick beer puns about Star Wars, like that's a good theme? Or um, it just integrating cultures. You know, normally people that love craft beer or people in sort of beer are kind of nerdy. Um, even if they're not like nerdy on the outside, they're in, internally they they love Harry Potter, Star Wars. You know, I wouldn't go as far as Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but um, <laughs> but definitely like things that are pop culturally relevant at the time. Like when we did the Star Wars is right when um, we launched at the same time this last Star Wars movie came out and then when we did Harry Potter, we usually do that in the winter time when it's kind of more like everyone notices Harry Potter movies being played on TV during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just kind of go to like what's relevant at the time. You know, obviously we did Game of Thrones before and that we did a six weeks of Game of Thrones in, sure. in between the first and last episode of season eight. So it just literally depends what's relevant at the time and what people want to see. And when you, you get down nerdy, because it is part, I guess you could say, of a, a niche of nerd culture. Because And you're touching upon on it, obviously, Game of Thrones and uh, Harry Potter. But, you know, it's kind of a party. It's, it's, it's this weird of, like, you are thinking about it, but while they're being thinked about a little bit, do you, do you find that that, when you maybe pair your beers a little bit like there's something to it like you're doing the stronger ones at first and then later it's always up and as as far as the theme parties yeah i guess i guess in terms of like appealing i would say maybe appealing to the beer nerds in that way like it just yeah um you just you know what we've seen especially living in las vegas is that everybody wants to dress up and that's just kind of the culture it's like if you dress up the more you're into it the the bigger ideas so if we can get beers that pair with the theme at hand so like when we did game of thrones there was actually game of thrones beers from Oma Gang that we had at all our events called the game of beers or whatever um and then when we do harry potter we, all those breweries that can actually produce two cake batches we we said hey you know why don't you guys make something special so some people make like a golden snitch ale a dragon's ale or sometimes they just like add something to a, a small batch to make it more of like a harry potter-esque thing Star Wars, we kind of couldn't see as much because obviously uh, you can't really make a Star Wars beer like a Chewbacca ale. You can name things uh, Star Wars beer, but it's not really going to get in theme. So for that, it was like we relied more heavily on the actual performers, entertainers, and we encouraged people to dress up, including the breweries that were pouring. Uh, is the overall, like the a big part obviously of beer and the festivals is more than almost anything is that situation of being probably in a bar, you know, and like, have you talked at all not to, not to get all bummy about it, about how you guys can sort of reincorporate that bar feeling, knowing that obviously bars in itself are probably a difficult venue to create an experience in right now. Yeah. We we've done some pop-up bars. Um, which are good, but the problem we've seen in the pop-up bars, because our databases are big, um, we can't uh, have as many guests. So, like, you know, on a pop-up bar to give some of the correct experience, you got to very, you got to limit it to a very small amount of people there. Yep. And so we normally, typically we came from doing five to 10,000 person events with experiential events. We started going like 800 to 1200. Hmm. On a bar setting, you can only really have 60, 70 people there before it gets way too many people and they can't enjoy the experience. So um, we have done them. But we, we seldomly don't do it as much anymore just because the vast majority of like, we don't want to let people down. It sucks to do an event. It sells out immediately. And then, you know, 75% of your fans are disappointed because they can't come. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're, we're living in a world where people understand it's not going to be like it was, but it's probably a very difficult line to still draw, you know, for everyone. Yeah. 
Right. Um, now, like you said, you've been doing this for a while. We have a segment on our show uh, where I, I think a lot of people, when they hear about events and experiences or when they go to it, everybody, all they do is they see the wonderful bright lights and like, this is great. Boy, throwing an event must be amazing. And they don't realize what goes behind it or what people might try and realize it didn't work out. So we have a segment called, well, that didn't work, which is basically something you guys already thought of and tried. You put it out there into the universe and it didn't work. <laughs> so yeah. uh, if we sharing uh, one of those uh, experiences you might have had. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, there's a couple that come to mind, but I know one that really didn't work. Um, we tried to do an event that was all about the 70s based on Austin Power, Austin Powers. And, you know, we took our time writing it, writing up scripts, and people just didn't care. <laughs> so eventually, we it was so little tickets sold that we just ended up canceling it. Uh, but, yeah, that didn't work at all. It was, you know, I thought people would like it. We called it Groovy Baby Beer Fest. And, yeah. You know, after two weeks when we didn't really see anybody interacting with their ads and didn't really see anybody really buying tickets, you know, we're just like, ah, looks like that that wasn't an idea that was going to work at all for us. <laughs> nobody, yeah, wanted, I mean, nobody wanted <laughs> your so randy jokes like that. No, no one wanted that. No, we, we spent time. We had riders make our uh, all our copy ads and we had a lot of things go into it. We spent maybe two weeks preparing and creating for it and you know, the brewers are excited. They're like, I'm going to wear this 70s thing. But I think what happens is the, the buying market right now is a millennial market. Just, it's a late Gen Z market. It's not really Gen X like it was five years ago, six years ago. Um, and so, you know, a Gen X market would probably would have bought into it. But in this new market that we're in, it's that's it's Austin Powers is not relevant anymore. Like I think, like I, I think what was normally like the go-to of like 80s parties, which still probably fly pretty well, is like 90s parties. Like yeah, we've done some '90s parties. Those, those people still know those songs and that music. But at the same time, it's if if you did something called the Ox, I'm sure it would outsell something from the '90s. Interesting. It's interesting. And, and has it become so? You really can tell metrically wise, really, what you're getting uh, more and more from an age demographic. Yeah, I mean, our age has always skewed um, from 25 to 40, and now our age demographic is skewing lower than that it's like you know 22 to 35 now 22 to 36 mm. it's a much younger one i will say with this virtual events um we are everywhere you, you know you have people in their 60s people in their 20s you have people everywhere so it's, there's not really a skew on that um but yeah when it comes to in-person events it, it kept skewing younger and younger and younger do you feel like that is something that you guys have leaned into of just like since you have an in-home audience base of older you think have any phone reached out to you to be like do the appeal to us like we're you know we're 60 you know throw, throw something our way <laughs> um i think so I, I think like typically what we've seen is you know people in their 40s and 50s are more about their families now right. um and you know they, they're the ones with kids and everything so what we do see is you know in these parties that have 22 to 36 year olds or 22 to 39 year olds um we do see a lot of i would say older as far as like in their 60s kind of the people that are on their second party life Hmm. Uh, coming out and you know they're the retired with the kids moved out with the you know having grandkids and now they want to go out and party so it's always fun my parents come to some of our events and, you know they're in their 70s so that's <laughs> you, you have a few of those they're just you know, second time partiers and you know they're they're enjoyable they, they love the events just as much as a 25 year old would that's uh, uh, now i'm imagining it's just like yo did you see a couple in the corner over there what are they doing they're crazy like yeah it's my mom <laughs> 
dad over there. They're, they're really yeah, cool. exactly. <laughs> um, well, it's, listen, that's also something that's interesting because obviously I think that's good that you guys still have an element of that where you realize maybe your bread and butter is that 22 to, uh, to 35 group, but like you really want older demographic to show up. It's not like, what are you doing here? You're ruining the vibe. Um, I think that's really good to know that you've created a situation where older people feel comfortable attending. Yeah, of course. I mean, and like you still get people in the 40s and 50s. Um, it's not to say they don't show up. Um, it's just I've noticed um, with our events, I don't know if because they're kind of experiential and they're kind of designed for a younger crowd, that the, the crowd has been a lot younger. You know, back, you know, five years ago when we were producing events for five, 10,000 people, Gen X was the main crowd. Like we wouldn't, you'd seldomly see some young people. Um, but the majority of people you'll see would be like in their 30s, 40s, and early 50s. So now it's completely changed, and this this is kind of like a post-college, uh, young 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 American crowd, I guess is the best way to say it. So really, it seems like from an audience perspective, it's like you have people who might be dedicated for um, a specific time and maybe age themselves, but because of like the theme of what you guys have, they kind of you capture them very early on, right? It seems yeah, like exactly. It's interesting. It seems like there's a very, you would have like a dedicated from 22 to 25 who are like, I'm going every year. And then probably maybe they fade out and come back a little bit, it seems. Yeah. I know we, um, we started doing a Newport Beach Beer Fest, which was really cool. And every year it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And every time we heard people, they're like, I went the last three years. Mm. Um, and then it just, they just died out. Like um, people, that, that type of beer fest is just not what people want to see anymore. People want, they want to see creativity and, you know, just going and drinking beers from station to station. It's, it gets boring. People want to, want to have something to do. So I think beer fest in general have started fading out. Yeah. Uh, and now people are going to like, you know, I, I say we're still one of the last ones doing beer fest. I mean, I don't know after the pandemic how people will go back to doing beer fest, but I think what we've really seen kind of explode is food festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and food festivals are kind of like the new thing that used to be the beer festivals and, I think that's probably what you might see a lot of, but you probably won't see a lot of promoters um, after the COVID because, you know, who's going to have the capital to actually do these events anymore? Um, we don't know. Yeah. People, we, I've, I've talked to a couple people and they're, they're optimistic, but they understand that they, they don't have any specific answers yet. So that's the, yeah. that's the big general question. But I think, I think what you guys are doing is, is, is so smart. Cause like you said, you, I think you have people who are enthusiastic but it's not like spend, you're going to be out here nine hours all day drinking beer. Like I think people have realized that, that they don't get the most out of their experience sometimes. No, of course not. <laughs> uh, and that if you, you know, you, you hone down on really giving them the, the really uh, bang for their buck for the time frame that they're investing and that will make them keep coming back because it's a unique experience in that specific time uh, that you're giving them. So I think that, I think people always want to do something like that, you know, yeah. Invite their parents. I'll be like, come and then mom and dad, you can be, you can come too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure, man. So uh, I saw, obviously you guys are doing uh, the next thing on your website. What's sort of the wizard and witches are you doing? Is that, is that in person or is that virtual as well? Just with a the theme? No, that, that would be, um, we wouldn't do that one virtually because the experience doesn't make sense via um, your own house. Um, what now is those events were scheduled for April and May. Um, back at the end of the year, and so we push those events to those new dates. Um, whether they go through or not, we don't know. There might be some in August that we probably have to um, postpone again. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is we don't want to postpone something twice. So if we end up having to postpone it again, we probably just refund them. Uh, which we we still offer them. Anybody that has bought a ticket for any of our events, any tickets refundable up to like ten days ahead of it. Even if it's a virtual event or a, a ticket for like next year, it's, it's all refundable. Um, but yeah, we just we don't want to just keep people in the loop. So this we usually we postpone something once. If it doesn't happen, we're not going to postpone again. We'll get a second date, but we'll refund everyone's tickets to give them the opportunity to and do what they want to do. More virtual beer festivals as they as they come up, right? Yeah, I think virtual beer fest, you know, they're they're high for a little bit, but they're not as relevant anymore. I think a lot of people tried to hop on that wagon after us, especially in our area. And it just, you know, once you've done it once or twice, <laughs> you don't you don't know if you want to do it again. You know, you're you're basically getting a beer box delivered to your house. And I, I think it's cool experience, especially, you know, do a couple times, but after that, you know, it's you can buy your beer and well, some tastings. Well it's, I mean, it's I think it's I mean like I said in the beginning, man, I, I admire your guys' ingenuity in this. I think that's the part of people who are doing experiences now is that you can't just kind of sit on your ass and think that something's going to happen. Like you have to come up with some ideas, you know, and, exactly. like, and the feedback and stuff you see online is that people are really enjoying it. Uh, I think I read a review of someone who participated. It was like, great, hung over the next day, had a burrito, had a great time. So <laughs> it was uh, drank 10 beers in two hours. Felt really good and had to have a breed the next morning. I'm like, that's a good time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's a good time. <laughs> uh, well, Ryan, hey, thank you so much for for coming on the, the podcast today. Uh, again, people just want to go check it out. It's uh, rockstarbeerfestival.com? Yeah, rockstarbeer.com. Just rockstarbeer.com. They have all of it there. And uh, listen, I, I will keep you up. By the way, just to end, keep it in mind, I'm telling you, uh, doing... We, we talked about it earlier. I'm sorry, my brain just shut off for a second. Uh, oh, um, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Don't knock, <laughs> don't knock it down. I'm just saying, like you're you're shutting a door. It might be a door you should open. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we will see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ryan. Take care. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye. Again, we want to thank Ryan so much for coming on the podcast today. Remember, if you want to find out everything that's going on with Rockstar Beer Festival, go to rockstarbeerfestival.com. And anyway, we want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. If you want to reach us via the social media, you can reach us on Instagram at Facebook at Return on Experience Pod, on Twitter at Return on EXP. And if you want to email us, that's nice. We like email. You can email us at returnonexp at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hello. Hi, hi, David. Can you hear me? I can. Nicole, can you hear me okay? I can. I can. Hi. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for uh, doing this with me today, of being course. on the podcast. So uh, I was on it's Severs, correct? Severs, uh, uh, actually. Severs. Yeah. See, this is how it happens. You start mm-hmm. off podcast and you start it off wrong. So that's why you ask up front. No, you worries. Be, you know? no worries at all. 
so it, I was researching you guys uh, uh, before we talked today. And what I guess is exciting and also kind of affects into what you're doing now is that you just recently moved this in 2019 to this bigger space, right? It's actually three times bigger than the space you had previously, correct? That's correct. That's correct. How is, how is that knowing that you are dealing, uh, going for, well, how big was the space prior uh, to this was? You know, it was, um, what happened, and, and this might be more information than you, than you really want, but so we had <laughs> been at a location next to Canterbury Park here in Shakopee, Minnesota, and we had been there for 20 years. We had always rented the space, and they were a lovely neighbor. Um, we really liked ha- using them kind of as a landmark and the partnership that went along with that. And then they decided to develop the land that we were on. And um, we just mm. simply couldn't compete with what the developers were paying, which makes total sense. And they were very upfront and honest with us about that. Um, and so we are farmers by trade. So we had um, some farms that we were looking at and the permitting just didn't end up working out. And so this piece of property that we are on, part of it was for sale. Um, and we looked at it and we thought, this is great. It's just not big enough. And then the piece next to it would be also perfect to add on. So we went to those owners and said, hey, you know, we know it's not for sale, but would you be willing to sell it to us? And thankfully Mm -hmm. they were. And so that's how we came to purchase that property um, last year. And for us, you know, we're really looking long term. And so COVID, of course, um, is not helping anything really for us. However, You know, we are looking at this. I'm 37 years old. My husband's also 39. And so we're looking at this really for the next 20 years of our career until maybe mm-hmm. our kids are, are old enough and decide they want to potentially take it over. So um, it, it has definitely um, not made anything easier. But being farmers, we're kind of used to some of those challenges and having to get creative and diversify further. So here we are. We we opened um, a drive-through this year. We actually um, serendipitously opened a light show last year that was already a drive-through model, not of course anticipating COVID and people wanting to do contactless. So we now have um, a variety of drive-through events that we're doing in addition to our traditional fall festival. That's interesting. So it. it... Because I would imagine, like, I've talked to people and I've been the who create events. And when you think about space and what it entails, it could either be exciting or intimidating. But I think there's something interesting about what you said is that considering you guys are farmers first, you guys, when you think about land, it's automatically a different perspective than someone who is not familiar with acreage. You know, so is, is there something about that of you having a little innate understanding of in my mind, if someone said, okay, we have five acres to work with, I'd be like, I'm lost. I don't even know where to begin. Right. I don't know how to even right. think about that. Uh, but for farmers, you guys probably have a whole different idea of what it means to build out a real experience based on the space of, uh, of the land that you have, I'm guessing. Definitely. You know, we look at it uh, from our first perspective, like you said, we're looking at it from farming. So we're looking at the soil, mm-hmm. we're looking at what we can grow on it. Um, the second perspective, which has kind of just happened organically, no pun intended, is the potential for development, of course. Um, and, you know, for farmers and for many farm families, their biggest asset is the land that they own. Um, you won't sure. need that 
farmers that have 401ks or retirement plans or all of this because everything that they have goes into their land or their operation. Um, and so for us, we have kind of this third tier of, you know, for this property specifically, we have 104 acres. And mm. instead of, you know, kind of, it, it is sometimes overwhelming, but it's also probably more so for us an opportunity of what can we do that is based in agriculture, but is also has that entertainment piece that, you know, people like. Um, and here in Minnesota, we have so many of our guests have farming roots, whether it's their grandparents or maybe it's an aunt and uncle. Um, they have ancestry in farming. And so to kind of bring them back to that farming space has been really a joy to see people, people have a fun time at it. Can you talk a little bit about maybe themes that you've developed? Uh, obviously, this year, I know you already mentioned uh, the drive-through elements. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was definitely wanted to ask you about working with, uh, with uh, Brian, mm -hmm. your artist, and, and creating experience out. Uh, about kind of creating that theme. I know you did something with dinosaurs. And just that conversation of f developing something that's a combination of both farming but also entertainment for your audience. Yeah, so we started actually back in 1997. Um, and we as a family have been part of the University of Minnesota MAST program, which is an agriculture program. And um, my father-in-law, Seaver, who started the fall festival, he is a third generation here on the farm. And he had English exchange students that year. And they had been telling him about the labyrinth mazes of England. And so he looked at his wife, Sharon, and said, you know, I, let's do that out of coin. Why not? You know, we totally so we can pull it, we can make a design. And his that's that's the, immediately the first thing that I would say after hearing that, that we need to make that out of coin. Me, I, I completely agree with him. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and so, um, you know, people that, if his family and friends that are in agriculture looked at him like, you're never going to get someone to want to walk through a cornfield. Like, it's just, you're nuts. And he said, I, yeah. I, think, I think there might be something to it. So that's where we started. We literally started as just a corn maze. We sold cookies. Um, I actually started working at our corn maze when I was 14. So I've been working here since night. Wow. Um, except our very first one. And, um, you know, the themes are really, sometimes we look to current. That was, I will say in times that were much less than they are now. So we probably wouldn't go that course. Um, you know, but we've done, and then we've also done geography, and we try to add a national I lost you there for Nicole. Can you repeat that for a second? You said you said you did geography. You know, we've done the pyramids, we've done the world, we've done the continental United States, um, and then. We also look now, you know, my husband and I and my brother-in-law and his wife are the fourth generation and we have small children. And so now we look to them hmm. for inspiration. And at, currently my three-year-old is obsessed with monkeys. And so that's kind of where the Amazon came from of, well, you know, let's do the Amazon rainforest theme this year because mm -hmm. our kids are into it. And if our kids are into it, probably other kids are into it. So it's really as simple as kind of sitting around our kitchen table throughout the winter and, and the time that we planned our various things. Um, it actually goes in ornate. 
I like that the the research, you know, and I mean this in the best way, is just like, what you looking at? Yeah. Like you just turn to you there, yeah. like, what, what, what do you, what do you like? Mm-hmm. And and just like, I like, it's like, I like birds. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's do yeah. that. That works totally. We are we are a family business <laughs> through and through. Now, obviously, I, we, we touched on it a little bit uh, with the, the the hit of this of, of COVID. Obviously, everybody's world is turned upside down. Um, but did you get like leading up to this year, was there a lot of response from the community where people are like, I really hope you guys do something. I don't know what it is, but we love going there. And did you feel this real strong pull from the community that says maybe in the beginning, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to figure something out to provide a service for them. Probably. To us. Nicole, I'm sorry. Are you? Can you? Uh, yeah. Can you repeat that? I, I, for some reason, technically, I, I, I couldn't hear you from where maybe you might be. Hello. You're just going in and out a little bit. I don't know from from where you are. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so what I was saying is I would say the majority of our patrons look to us to hopefully do something because they were simply itching to request in the middle of April, which, wow, you know, we're kind of surprised that people want to sell just for something to do, um, but us to get creative for this fall. And we have worked with state agencies here in Minnesota to the creativity of doing this so that we can offer our patrons one or traditional fall festival events should they choose to come. Or if they, you know, maybe are living with someone who's high risk or are high risk, we are still then offering a more contactless event where it's still fun. It's got it uh again i'm i'm sorry Nicole. we can even i can edit this in that way just for whatever reason it seems to be i don't know where you are if it's good signal or not but i just going in and out so if it, we're, okay. if you haven't me in a place that's good that's okay i i just wanted to I, I can edit it and we can also go back if we need to uh but just wanted to make okay. sure if you if you have a if you have a good spot uh that'd be that, that'd be great uh, so just, yeah, I want to just uh, clarify that. So you, you, you said you have stuff for both, uh, for social distancing. You, you, you were going on, you were talking about that for a second. We have work agencies to ensure that we can operate a safe event. Um, we have our traditional fall festival, which of course, like I mentioned, we've got over a hundred acres. And so I think people are definitely looking to get outdoors this fall. And I think they feel safer outdoors. Um, But in addition, you know, of course, we then opened this new drive-through for our patrons that maybe they themselves are high risk or they're living with someone who's high risk. Um, And so that then offers them the opportunity to still get out, you know, still do something fun with their family and their vehicle, but it's more contactless, which I do think a certain certain percentage of our patrons are looking for. 
Sure. All right. So, so let's talk about it. So, so the big thing that you guys have been pushing is obviously the, the drive-through element. And in, online, and uh, you you're actually collaborated with an artist, uh, with uh, Brian Seb- Sebasky, if I'm saying it correctly. Yes, uh, Sebasky. Is that, is that the first time you've collaborated with an outside artist for, to, to build out an experience? <clears throat> yes and no. So we have worked with Brian Sebasky for, gosh, I'm going to say 10, 12 years. To, so long, oh, okay. I can't remember how long we've worked with him. So he... Uh, sculptures and festival for many years he's incredibly creative so he has built art um, generally that is theme related to our corn maze design um, out of straw out of pumpkins out of gourds you know all of those kind of farm fall materials and he come to us with this idea of kind of a store come to life even before this year but we had always envisioned it as a walking path and so this mm. spring we sat down with him and we said, well, setting it up as a drive-through. And anything sort of spectacular. And so we knew what is going to be really, really cool. Um, and he did. So he wrote all of the riddles and rhymes that we have. They're kind of original limericks. And then he created these characters to go along with the riddles and rhymes. Um, so it's all from Brian's creativity. And then within the drive-through, it's a treasure hunt. So you're looking for various characters as you do the drive-through as, as well. Um, and that is really kind of, I don't know if you're familiar with the I Spy books, but it's kind of like an I Spy book come to life. I don't have them all memorized, but I think I know what, you're, what they're referring yeah. to. <laughs> So, and, and that's built into as people go along the drive of, of these like points within it that they're, they're supposed to look for. So, okay. So this is, this gets down to a thing I'm always curious about when there are, when people do riddles and they really try to invent riddles. Now, who is the determining factor of how hard a riddle is? Because I'm awful at riddles and I'm an adult. So I always like to think, all right, if he gets it or she gets it, we can do it. Otherwise, we have to come up with a new one because no one will get it. It's like, is there a general level of riddle solving? It's it's funny (laughs) that you say that because um, in the treasure hunt, you are looking for the world's smallest donkey. Well, it actually is so small that it doesn't exist. And so people, Mm -hmm. we allow people to drive through as many times as they want. And we had some people driving through four or five times looking for this world's smallest donkey until finally they'd ask us. That it's not there because it's so (laughs) tiny that it doesn't even exist. And, you know, people always laughed. And so we thought, well, yeah, I'll keep for the world's smallest donkey. So we ended up putting a tiny, tiny little donkey into it. Um, And so that's that's probably the hardest riddle. Most of it more rhymes and kind of plays on words that people have seen, Um, you know, whether it's Haley and her pet, you know, Haley the got chicken out it's we've got dragonflies we've got all these different characters i would say we're trying to keep and, the and riddle level easy. relatively for everybody yes. I, and i i that makes sense exactly. that makes sense i just love the fact there was like a family driving through it's like i saw that donkey it's yes. there right and at a certain point you just have to be like mm-hmm. 
it's yep. there sure yeah <laughs> exactly and of course every, you know everyone thought it was funny but i was like well there, you never know there could be someone who maybe doesn't think that that's it that's correct okay so they're taking it way too serious like i came here to see the small just yeah the world and i'm not leaving and i'm not leaving till i see i'm it. not leaving <laughs> till i see it uh now the other one you mentioned i, I saw online so there is a there is a chicken samurai yes yes, yes. i'm I'm interested for that. Like in my mind of creative like events, I'm like, I want to see that. I don't need to know anymore. I just want to see how they implement chicken samurai into any kind of yes. theme that they're, they're doing. It's very, I will, I will send uh, you a picture because it is very, very cool. His, his is, he is very, very artistic. That's great. And, and it's been, obviously you just sort of opened up. It's been a little over two weeks, right? Since it's just opened up and the feedback has been positive. Yes. It, seems it like is. It. Yes. It's been very positive. I mean, we, I think people who maybe aren't in small business or aren't, aren't um, operating their own business. I, I don't know if they always necessarily understand how much heart and soul goes into creating something. Yeah off just for the first time and you're thinking you know that little johnny gets along with everybody and they like him and you know he doesn't have any issues it's this event that you've worked so hard on um it's i hope everybody likes it we think it's really cool but will everybody else think it's really cool you you know you start kind of second guessing yourself enough to say that so far the feedback has been really good people have loved it um something that we are already looking to expand for 2021 and do some more creative things to it so we're excited we're very excited and have you ever have you gotten any feedback from maybe any other larger scale events that are looking to do drive through experiences i'm sure sometimes the first one in is very helpful you know uh, a wonderful way for people to to gather information about potential experiences and you know ha- have you had any poss- anything like that from other uh, venues? I would say that the industry that we're in, which we kind of consider agritainment to a degree, um, is relatively small here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And haven't had anyone reach out specifically back on a drive through event. I think if this Nicola, and like I said, I lo- I'm sorry. I'm yep, sorry. I, I I lost you that last one. Can you just re- repeat what you just said? Sorry. Yep, no problem. Um, what I was saying is, you know, the industry that we consider agritainment is relatively small here in Minnesota. So most of us do another, and we haven't had anyone specifically reach out to get through feedback quite yet. I think most people in our industry are in survival mode of looking to 2021. Being said, if sure. COVID and the impact you know, goes into 2021, whether that's next spring, next fall, I do think we'll probably have people asking for our feedback on drive through And we're very supportive of that. I mean, most people in this industry, and it's a good way to keep the farm in the family. So we're very supportive, even though it's competition, mm. we're supportive of, of one another. And listen, not everybody has a hundred acres to work with, so it's a very specific <laughs> thing in the and first it, place. It's probably harder to implement than than it looks, you know, for the most yes, part. Yes, I would, I, I would, I would, I really would imagine so. <laughs> so, considering you have been in the 
that your specific business, since we were 14, you probably have a, a really interesting, possible inter- interesting answer to this question. Uh, we always like to ask at this part of the concept, people who are creators of experiences. Uh, obviously, it's important to try stuff. You guys are trying something new with the drive through and that's a, a life, you know, that's a, a big part of all kinds of experiences. But sometimes people try things and they don't work. And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of helpful for people who are listening if they're looking to try something to hear those stories about things that don't work. So if you wouldn't mind, if you could share maybe something through your years of doing this where you're like, oh, this is a great idea. We're going to try to implement it. And it turns out, well, that didn't work. And I was wondering if maybe you could maybe share an experience uh, of something of when, that, of when that happened. Yes, I, I definitely can. I would say that many people look to us being a fall event. Um, and we kind of delved into that. It was probably, oh, goodness, I'm going to say 12, 13 years ago. We said, well, you know, maybe we can turn our event in the evening into a haunted event and we can, you know, put actors into the corn maze and, and make it into more of a scary time and an older kid, teenagers, young adult type. Uh, that did not work very well for us. I think that our brand <laughs> was was it's very family centric. And I think that that's what you come to expect when they hear that Seavers is putting something on. And so that did not take off for us, which at the time I was surprised because I thought, you know, this is another cool um, event that we can put on. It's a different demographic. And for us, you know, we're always trying to expand that demographic. And the last few years, I think we have finally said, hey, our demographic is is families, um, you know, multi-generational families where the grandparents come with their, their grandkids. And that's our lane. And it's a lane that we do, in my opinion, relatively well. Um, so let's mm. stop trying to reinvent the wheel to try to get some of these other demographics on site. So that was something that was what we thought a really good idea at the time. It did not take off. And we stuck with it for a couple of years. And then we finally just said, you know what, we're not doing it anymore. No one showed you Children of the Corn. Right. Like, no and one that's was what I was thinking. Like... <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this is going to be so popular. People are already like kind of naturally fearful of, of a cornfield at dark but that yeah. was not the case i think i think that's what it is it's like it's one of those things you could see a movie that's scary and i was like oh right but then it's the same thing if you would like if you would go into a right. cave or go someplace for real like oh that's really right. frightening no 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 i don't i don't want yes. physical i don't want to be in that physical yes. proximity exactly to my fear exactly <laughs> that's funny uh so and like you said, it, it goes now all through uh, November, right? November that's, 1st, that's I think. Right. Is, uh, well, so. Yes, yes and no. So we have our fall festival that opens September 11th. That'll run till November 1st. Our stories, mm-hmm. riddles, and rhymes will open, or excuse me, will run through November 1st. We have a drive-through, which will run. And then we actually, um, as of last year, had put in... Um, a holiday light show that without, you know, knowing that COVID was mm-hmm. this new drive through that will open on things. It's, it's, it's great. I'm sorry. Say, say that again about Thanksgiving. Um, for- oh. January 3rd. 
Well, I'm sorry. I apologize, Nicole. Just one thing okay. about Thanksgiving. I wasn't. I wasn't sure what you. I missed that one part. At least I didn't hear it. Oh specifically. no. So we our stories, riddles, and rhymes drive-through is open now through November first, and then our fall mm-hmm. festival and corn maze is open September 11th through November first. We are a fall light show, which is also a drive-through, and that will run the month of October. And then we okay. actually then have a holiday light show drive-through, which we established last year in 2019. Um, and that will run Thanksgiving through January 3rd. That's great. I mean, I, I think the the thing that makes people go back is I'm sure you probably have repeat customers who like to come. We do. Mm-hmm. Um, for all the, is, is you, have to keep, you have to keep mixing it right. up, you know, providing a variety of, of entertainment options for it. And uh, so... We, you, you mentioned you had a three-year-old. Are there any other kids, youngins that are in the yes. that are the next yes. generation? Yep. So I have four children, ages eight, six, four, and three. Um, oh, and so okay. they're my best test market. And I'll tell you what, kids are honest, so they'll tell you exactly what yes. they think. That's what I'm saying. You, you, they have to be honest with you, otherwise they don't get it, dinner. It, right. So this yep. is this is this is the best. It's like no, no, no. If you don't tell me if it's good or not, no yeah, pizza. Exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so no that's actually it's probably really great to be able to get that immediate feedback from um from their t- from your perfect test audience that's that's probably very it helpful is. it is very helpful uh and it actually has to as you i i, I think as you, like you said you went through it and you were 14 it has to be really exciting for you to see the joy in your kids eyes as they grow up being part of this process like it must be really cool it is to be able to see them take it in and it- uh, enjoy it. It is. It's very gratifying. I mean, there are times where, of course, you know, I think anyone running a small family business wants to pull their hair out. Of course, anyone at, you know, at any time sure. can have those moments. But, you know, when I stop and think and I look at my father-in-law who's 76 and my mother-in-law who's 70 and, and they're still at it. And then I look at the next generation that's in their late thirties. And then I look even to the next generation, which will be the fifth, you know, it is gratifying to see, people still in farming and it might not look exactly Mm -hmm. as it did um a hundred years ago or even 130 years ago which was when our farm was established um but it's still operating and even though it looks different we are still farming we are still growing um and it is it is nice to know that my kids will have that option should they so choose it to continue into it that's that's really a wonderful story i mean i i think it's something about I created this podcast, the idea of showing the value of experiences mm-hmm. and how it really is uh, transformational, not only uh, not only for the people you're trying to do it for, but for the creators themselves. And I think you have such a special version of that because you are it's built into your family bloodline. Basically. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, which is a talk about like passing from generation to generation. Like that's such an interesting um storyline you guys get to share so uh, kudos thank to you, you. for, for thank that you. um and all the information that people who are in minnesota that they want to go to is on the website that's right, right? so we have our website is seversfestivals.com and that is where you can find out about all four of our events um and we've already kind of got our brains looking to 2021 and other ways that we can expand and and do more offerings so people should definitely keep an eye on that and our social media pages Awesome. And chicken samurais. And I think let's just let and chicken samurai. So true. 
and chicken samurais. Yeah. For all you chicken samurai fans out there, and you know who you are, <laughs> now you have a place where you can go and see chicken samurais. That's right. In action. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nicole, thank you so much for for coming on the on the podcast today, uh, and I, I look forward to hearing more about all the fun adventures you have you have going on. Thank out you, there. David. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Take yep, care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello? Hi. Hi, David. Can you hear me? I can. Nicole, can you hear me okay? I can. I can. Hi. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for uh, doing this with me today, of being course. on the podcast. So uh, I was on it's Severs, correct? Uh, uh, and Se- you always... Severs, actually. Severs. Yeah. See, this is how it happens. You start mm-hmm. off podcast and you start it off wrong. So that's why you ask up front. No, worries. Be... <laughs> no worries at all. So it, I was researching you guys uh, uh, before we talked today. And what I guess is exciting and also kind of affects into what you're doing now is that you just recently moved this in 2019 to this bigger space, right? It's actually three times bigger than the space you had previously. Correct? That's correct. That's correct. How is, how is that knowing that you are dealing, uh, going for, well, how big was the space prior uh, to this was? You know, it was, um, what happened, and, and this might be more information than you, than you really want, but so we had <laughs> been at a location next to Canterbury Park here in Shakopee, Minnesota, and we had been there for 20 years. We had always rented the space, and they were a lovely neighbor. Um, we really liked ha- using them kind of as a landmark and the partnership that went along with that. And then they decided to develop the land that we were on. And um, we just mm. simply couldn't compete with what the developers were paying, which makes total sense. And they were very upfront and honest with us about that. Um, and so we are farmers by trade. So we had um, some farms that we were looking at and the permitting just didn't end up working out. And so this piece of property that we are on, part of it was for sale. Um, and we looked at it and we thought, this is great. It's just not big enough. And then the piece next to it would be also perfect to add on. So we went to those owners and said, hey, you know, we know it's not for sale, but would you be willing to sell it to us? And thankfully Mm -hmm. they were. And so that's how we came to purchase that property um, last year. And for us, you know, we're really looking long term. And so COVID, of course, um, is not helping anything really for us. However, You know, we are looking at this. I'm 37 years old. My husband's also 39. And so we're looking at this really for the next 20 years of our career until maybe mm-hmm. our kids are, are old enough and decide they want to potentially take it over. So um, it, it has definitely um, not made anything easier. But being farmers, we're kind of used to some of those challenges and having to get creative and diversify further. So here we are. We we opened um, a drive-through this year. We actually um, serendipitously opened a light show last year that was already a drive-through model, not of course anticipating COVID and people wanting to do contactless. So we now have um, a variety of drive-through events that we're doing in addition to our traditional fall festival. That's interesting. So it. it- because I would imagine, like, I, I've talked to people and I, I've been the 
who create events. And when you think about space and what it entails, it can either be exciting or intimidating. But I think there's something interesting about what you said is that considering you guys are farmers first, you guys, when you think about land, it's automatically a different perspective than someone who is not familiar with acreage, you know? So is there something about that of you having a little innate understanding of, in my mind, if someone said, okay, we have five acres to work with, I'd be like, I'm lost. I don't even know where to begin. I don't know how to even think about that. Uh, But farmers, you guys probably have a whole different idea of what it means to build out a real experience based on the space of, uh, of the land that you have, I'm guessing. Definitely. You know, we look at it uh, from our first perspective, like you said, we're looking at it from farming. So we're looking at the soil, mm-hmm. we're looking at what we can grow on it. Um, the second perspective, which has kind of just happened organically, no pun intended, is the potential for development, of course. Um, and, you know, for farmers and for many farm families, their biggest asset is the land that they own. Um, you won't see sure. that farmers that have 401ks or retirement plans or all of this because everything that they have goes into their land or their operation. Um, and so for us, we have kind of this third tier of, you know, for this property specifically, we have 104 acres. And mm. instead of, you know, kind of, it, it is sometimes overwhelming, but it's also probably more so for us an opportunity of what can we do that is based in agriculture, but is also has that entertainment piece that, you know, people like. Um, And here in Minnesota, we have so many of our guests have farming roots, whether it's their grandparents or maybe it's an aunt and uncle. Um, They have ancestry in farming. And so to kind of bring them back to that farming space has been really a joy to see people. People have a fun time at it. Can you talk a little bit about maybe themes that you've developed? Uh, obviously, this year, I know you already mentioned uh, the drive through elements. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was definitely wanted to ask you about working with, uh, with uh, Brian, mm-hmm. your artist, and, and creating experience out uh, about kind of com- creating that theme. I know you did something with dinosaurs and just that conversation of f- developing something that's a combination of both farming but also entertainment for your audience. Yeah, so we started actually back in 1997. Um, and we as a family have been part of the University of Minnesota MAST program, which is an agriculture program. And um, my father-in-law, Seaver, who started the Fall Festival, he is a third generation here on the farm. And he had English exchange students that year. And they had been telling him about the labyrinth mazes of England. And so he looked at his wife, Sharon, and said, you know, I, let's do that out of corn. Why not? You know, we totally so we can poet, we can make a design. And his that's family- that's the, immediately the first thing that I would say after hearing that, that we need to make that out of corn. <laughs> I, I completely agree with him. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and so, um, you know, people that, if his family and friends that are in agriculture looked at him like, you're never going to get someone to want to walk through a cornfield. Like, it's just, you're nuts. And he said, I think think there might be something to it. So that's where we started. We literally started as just a corn maze. We sold cookies. Um, I actually started working at our corn maze when I was 14. So I've been working here since night. Wow. Um, Except our very first one. And, um, you know, the themes are really sometimes we look to current
it was, I will say, in times that were much less than they are now. So we probably wouldn't go that course, um, you know, but we've done and then we've also done geography and we try to add a national I lost you there for Nicole. Can you repeat that for a second? You said you said you did geography. You know, we've done the pyramids, we've done the world, we've done the continental United States. Um, and then we also look now, you know, my husband and I and my brother-in-law and his wife are the fourth generation and we have small children. And so now we look to them hmm. for inspiration. And at, currently my three-year-old is obsessed with monkeys. And so that's kind of where the Amazon came from of, well, you know, let's do the Amazon rainforest theme this year because... Mm -hmm. Our kids are into it. And if our kids are into it, probably other kids are into it. So it's really as simple as kind of sitting around our kitchen table throughout the winter and, and the time that we plan our various things. It actually goes in. I like that the, the research, you know, and I mean this in the best way, is just like, what you looking at? Yeah. Like you just turn to you there, yeah. like, what, what, what do you, what do you like? Mm -hmm. And, and just like, I like, it's like, I like birds. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's do that. Yeah. That works. Totally. We are, we are a family business <laughs> through and through. Now, obviously we touched on it a little bit uh, with the, the, the hit of this, of, of COVID, obviously everybody's world is turned upside down. Um, but did you get, like leading up to this year, was there a lot of response from the community where people are like, I really hope you guys do something. I don't know what it is, but we love going there. And did you feel this real strong pull from the community that says, maybe in the beginning, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to figure something out to provide a service for them. Probably. To us. To get Nicole, I'm sorry. Are you? Can you? Uh, yeah. Can you repeat that? I, I for some reason, technically, I, I, I couldn't hear you from where maybe you might be. Hello. You're just going in and out a little bit. I don't know from from where you are. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. So what I was saying is I would say the majority of our patrons look to us to hopefully do something because they were simply itching to request in the middle of April, which, wow, you know, we're kind of surprised that people want to sell just for something to do, um, but us to get creative for this fall. And we have worked with, state agencies here in Minnesota to the creativity doing so that we can offer our patrons one or traditional fall festival events should they choose to come or if they you know maybe are living with someone who's high risk or are high risk we are still then offering a more contactless event where it's still fun it's Got it. Uh, again, I'm I'm sorry, Nicole. We can even 
I can edit this in that way. Just for whatever reason, it seems to be. I don't know where you are if it's good signal or not, but I, it, just going in and out. So if it, we're, okay, if you haven't been in a place, that's good. That's okay. I, I just wanted to. I, I can edit it, and we can also go back if we need to. Uh, but just wanted to make okay. sure if you if you have a if you have a good spot, uh, that'd be that that'd be great. Uh, so just yeah, I want to just uh, clarify that. So you 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 said you have stuff for both uh, for social distancing. You, you you were going on. You were talking about that for a second. We have work agencies to ensure that we can operate a safe event. Um, we have our traditional fall festival, which of course, like I mentioned, we've got over a hundred acres. And so I think people are definitely looking to get outdoors this fall, and I think they feel safer outdoors. Um, but in addition, you know, of course, we then opened this new drive through for our patrons that maybe they themselves are high risk or they're living with someone who's high risk. Um, and so that then offers them the opportunity to still get out, you know, still do something fun with their family and their vehicle. But it's more contactless, which I do think a certain a certain percentage of our patrons are looking for. Sure. All right. So so let's talk about it. so. So the big thing that you guys have been pushing is obviously the, the drive through element. And in, online, and uh, you you're actually collaborated with an artist, uh, with uh, Brian Seb- Sebasti, if I'm saying it correctly. Yeah, uh, Is that is that the first time you've collaborated with an outside artist for to to build out an experience? <clears throat> yes and no. So we have worked with Brian Sebasti for gosh, I'm gonna say 10, 12 years. Too so long oh, okay. I can't remember how long we've worked with him. So he. sculptures and festival for many years he's incredibly creative so he has built art um, generally that is theme related to our corn maze design um, out of straw out of pumpkins out of gourds you know all of those kind of farm fall materials and he come to us with this idea of kind of a store come to life even before this year but we had always envisioned it as a walking path and so this mm. spring we sat down with him and we said, well, setting it up as a drive through Anything sort of spectacular. And so we knew what is going to be really, really cool. Um, and he did. So he wrote all of the riddles and rhymes that we have. They're kind of original limericks. And then he created these characters to go along with the riddles and rhymes. Um, so it's all from Brian's creativity. And then within the drive-through, it's a treasure hunt. So you're looking for various characters as you do the drive-through as, as well. Um, and that is really kind of, I don't know if you're familiar with the I Spy books, but it's kind of like an I Spy book come to life. I don't have them all memorized, but I think I know what, you're, what they're referring yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> So, and, and that's built into as people go along the drive of, of these like points within it that they're, they're supposed to look for. So, okay. So this is, this gets down to a thing I'm always curious about when there are, when people do riddles and they really try to invent riddles. Now, who is the determining factor of how hard a riddle is? Because I'm awful at riddles and I'm an adult. So I always like to think, all right, if he gets it or she gets it, we can do it. Otherwise, we have to come up with a new one because no one will get it. It's like, is there a general level of riddle solving? It's it's (laughs) funny that you say that because um, in the treasure hunt, you are looking for the world's smallest donkey. Well, 
it actually is so small that it doesn't exist. And so people, Mm -hmm. we allow people to drive through as many times as they want. And we had some people driving through four or five times looking for this world's smallest donkey until finally they'd ask us that it's not there because it's so (laughs) tiny that it doesn't even exist. And, you know, people always laughed. And so we thought, well, yeah, I'll keep for the world's smallest donkey. So we ended up putting a tiny, tiny little donkey into it. Um, and so that's, okay. that's probably the hardest riddle. Most of it more rhymes and kind of plays on words that people have seen, um, you know, whether it's Haley and her pet, you know, Haley, the got chicken outs, it's, we've got dragonflies, we've got all these different characters. I would say we're trying to keep and, the and riddle I- level easy. Relatively for everybody, yes. I, and I, I, I makes sense. Exactly. That makes sense. I just love the fact there was like a family driving through. It's like I saw that donkey. It's yes. there, right? And a certain point, you just have to be like, mm-hmm, it's yep. there. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And of course, every, you know, everyone thought it was funny, but I was like, well, there, you never know. There could be someone who maybe doesn't think that that's that. <laughs> that's correct. Okay. So it's taking it way too serious. Like I came here to see the small just donkey. Yeah, the world. And I'm not leaving. And I'm not leaving till I see. I'm it. not leaving <laughs> till I see it. Uh, now the other one you mentioned, I, I saw online. So there is a, there is a chicken samurai. Yes. 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 I'm, I'm interested for that. Like in my mind of creative, like events, I'm like, I want to see that. I don't need to know anymore. I just want to see how they implement chicken samurai into any kind of yes. that they're, they're doing. It's very, I will, I will send uh, you a picture because it is very, very cool. His, his is, he is very, very artistic. That's great. And, and it's been, obviously it just sort of opened up. It's been a little over two weeks, right. Since it's it's opened up and the feedback has been positive. Yes. It It is. Yes. It's been very positive. I mean, I think people who maybe aren't in small business or aren't, aren't um, operating their own business. I, I don't know if they always necessarily understand how much heart and soul goes into creating something. Yeah off just for the first time and you're thinking you know that little johnny gets along with everybody and they like him and you know he doesn't have any issues it's this event that you've worked so hard on um it's i hope everybody likes it we think it's really cool but will everybody else think it's really cool you you know you start kind of second guessing yourself enough to say that so far the feedback has been really good people have loved it um something that we are already looking to expand for 2021 and do some more creative things to it. So we're excited. We're very excited. And have you ever, have you gotten any feedback from maybe any other larger scale events that are looking to do drive through experiences? I'm sure sometimes the first one in is very helpful, you know, uh, a wonderful way for people to, to gather information about potential experiences and, you know, ha- have you had any poss- anything like that from other uh, venues? I would say that the industry that we're in, which we kind of consider agritainment to a degree, um, is relatively small here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And haven't had anyone reach out specifically back on a drive through event. I think if this Nicola, and like I said, I lo- I'm sorry. I'm yep, sorry. I, I, 
I lost you that last one. Can you just repeat what you just said? Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Um, what I was saying is, you know, the industry that we consider agritainment is relatively small here in Minnesota. So most of us do one another. And we haven't had anyone specifically reach out to get through feedback quite yet. I think most people in our industry are in survival mode of looking to 2021. Being said, if COVID and the impact goes into 2021, whether that's next spring, next fall, I do think we'll probably have people asking for our feedback on drive-through. And we're very supportive of that. I mean, most people in this industry, and it's a good way to keep the farm in the family. So we're very supportive, even though it's competition, Mm. we're supportive of, of one another. And listen, not everybody has a hundred acres to work with. So it's a very specific <laughs> thing in the and first it, place. It's probably harder to implement than, than it looks, you know, for the most yes, part. I would, I, I would, I would, I really would imagine so. <laughs> so considering you have been in the, that your specific business since you were 14, you probably have a, a really interesting, possible inter- interesting answer to this question. Uh, we always like to ask at this for the concept of people who are creators of experiences. Uh, obviously, it's important to try stuff. You guys are trying something new with the drive-through, and that's a, a life, you know, that's a, a big part of all kinds of experiences. But sometimes people try things and they don't work. And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of helpful for people who are listening if they're looking to try something to hear those stories about things that don't work. So if you wouldn't mind, if you could share maybe something through your years of doing this where you're like, oh, this is a great idea. We're going to try to implement it. And it turns out, well, that didn't work. And I was wondering if maybe you could maybe share an experience uh, of something of when that, of when that happened. Yes, I, I definitely can. I would say that many people look to us being a fall event. Um, and we kind of delved into that. It was probably, oh, goodness, I'm going to say 12, 13 years ago. We said, well, you know, maybe we can turn our event in the evening into a haunted event and we can, you know, put actors into the corn maze and, and make it into more of a scary time and an older kid, teenagers, young adult type. Uh, that did not work very well for us. I think that our brand <laughs> was, was it's very family centric. And I think that that's what people come to expect when they hear that Seavers is putting something on. And so that did not take off for us, which at the time I was surprised because I thought, you know, this is another cool um, event that we can put on. It's a different demographic. And for us, you know, we're always trying to expand that demographic. And the last few years, I think we have finally said, hey, our demographic is is families, um, you know, multi-generational families where the grandparents come with their, their grandkids. And that's our lane. And it's a lane that we do, in my opinion, relatively well. Um, So let's Mm. stop trying to reinvent the wheel to try to get some of these other demographics on site. So that was something that was what we thought a really good idea at the time. It did not take off. And we stuck with it for a couple of years. And then we finally just said, you know what, we're not doing it anymore. No one showed you children of the corn. Right. And that's what I was like, oh, this is going to be so popular. People already like kind of naturally fearful of, of a cornfield at dark but that yeah. was not the case i think i think that's what it is it's like it's one of those things you could see a movie that's scary and i was like oh right but then it's the same thing if you would like if you would go into a right. cave or go someplace for really like oh that's really right. frightening no 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 i don't i don't want yes. physical i don't want to be in that physical yes. proximity exactly. to my fear exactly <laughs> that's funny uh so and 
like you said, it, it goes now all through uh, November, right? November that's, 1st, that's I think right. is. Uh, so well, yes, yes and no. So we have our fall festival that opens September 11th. That'll run till November 1st. Our stories, mm-hmm. riddles, and rhymes will open, or excuse me, will run through November 1st. We have a drive-through, which will run. And then we actually, um, as of last year, had put in um, a holiday light show that throughout, you know, knowing that COVID was mm-hmm. this new drive through that will open on things. It's, it's, it's great. I'm sorry. Say, say that again about Thanksgiving. Um, for- January 3rd. Well, I'm sorry. I apologize, Nicole. Just one thing about Thanksgiving. I wasn't. I wasn't sure what you. I missed that one part. At least I didn't hear it. Oh no. So we our stories, riddles, and rhymes drive through is open now through November first, and then our fall Mm -hmm. festival and corn maze is open September 11th through November first. We are a fall light show, which is also a drive through, and that will run the month of October. And then we okay. actually then have a holiday light show drive through, which we established last year in 2019. Um, and that will run Thanksgiving through January 3rd. That's great. I mean, I, I think the, the thing that makes people go back is I'm sure you probably have repeat customers who like to come we do. Mm-hmm. Um, for other, is, is you have to keep, you have to keep mixing it right. up, you know, providing a variety of, of entertainment options for it. And uh, so we, you, you mentioned you had a three-year-old. Are there any other kids, youngins that are in the yes that are the next yes. generation? Yep. So I have four children, ages eight, six, four, and three. Um, oh, and so okay. they're my best test market. And I'll tell you what, kids are honest, so they'll tell you exactly what. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You, you, they have to be honest with you, otherwise they don't get it, dinner. It, right. So this yep. is this is this is the best. It's like no, no, no. If you don't tell me if it's good or not, no yeah, pizza. Exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so no that's actually it's probably really great to be able to get that immediate feedback from um from their t- from your perfect test audience that's that's probably very it helpful is. it is very helpful uh and it actually has to as you i i, I think as you, like you said you went through it and you were 14 it has to be really exciting for you to see the joy in your kids eyes as they grow up being part of this process like it must be really cool it is to be able to see them take it in and it- uh, enjoy it. It is. It's very gratifying. I mean, there are times where, of course, you know, I think anyone running a small family business wants to pull their hair out. Of course, anyone at, you know, at any time can have those moments. But, you know, when I stop and think, and I look at my father-in-law who's 76 and my mother-in-law who's 70 and and they're still at it. And then I look at the next generation that's in their late thirties. And then I look even to the next generation, which will be the fifth, you know, it is gratifying to see, people still in farming and it might not look exactly Mm -hmm. as it did um a hundred years ago or even 130 years ago which was when our farm was established um but it's still operating and even though it looks different we are still farming we are still growing um and it is it is nice to know that my kids will have that option should they so choose it to continue into it that's that's really a wonderful story i mean i i think it's something about I created this podcast, the idea of showing the value of experiences. Mm-hmm. 
and how it really is uh, transformational, not only not only for the people you're trying to do it for, but for the creators themselves. And I think you have such a special version of that because you are it's built into your family bloodline. Basically. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, which is a talk about like passing from generation to generation. Like that's such an interesting um, storyline you guys get to share. So uh, kudos Thank to you, you for, for Thank that. You. Um, and all the information that people are in Minnesota that they want to go to is on the website. That's right. right. So we have our website is SeversFestivals.com. And that is where you can find out about all four of our events. Um, and we've already kind of got our brains looking to 2021 and other ways that we can expand and, and do more offerings. So people should definitely keep an eye on that and our social media pages. Awesome. And chicken samurais. And I think let's sam- just let and chicken samurais. So true. And chicken samurais. Yes. For all you chicken samurai fans out there and you know who you are, <laughs> now you have a place where you can go and see chicken samurais. That's right. In action. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nicole, thank you so much for, for coming on the on the podcast today. Uh, and I, I look forward to hearing more about all the fun adventures you have co- you have going on. Thank out you, there. David. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Take yep, care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello? Hi. Hi, David. Can you hear me? I can. Nicole, can you hear me okay? I can. I can. Hi. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for uh, doing this with me today, of being course. on the podcast. So uh, I was on, it's Severs, correct? Severs, uh, actually. Severs. Yeah. See, this is how it happens. You start mm-hmm. off podcast and you start it off wrong. So that's why you ask up front. No, worries. <laughs> no worries at all. So it, I was researching you guys uh, uh, before we talked today. And what I guess is exciting and also kind of affects into what you're doing now is that you just recently moved this in 2019 to this bigger space, right? It's actually three times bigger than the space you had previously. Correct? That's correct. That's correct. How is, how is that knowing that you are dealing, uh, going for, well, how big was this space prior, uh, to this was, you know, it was, um, what happened and, and this might be more information than you, than you really want, but, so we had been at a location next to Canterbury Park here in Shakopee, Minnesota, and we had been there for 20 years. We had always rented the space, and they were a lovely neighbor. Um, we really liked ha- using them kind of as a landmark and the partnership that went along with that. And then they decided to develop the land that we were on, and um, we just mm. simply couldn't compete with what the developers were paying, which makes total sense, and they were very upfront and honest with us about that. Um, And so we are farmers by trade. So we had um, some farms that we were looking at and the permitting just didn't end up working out. And so this piece of property that we are on, part of it was for sale. Um, And we looked at it and we thought, this is great. It's just not big enough. And then the piece next to it would be also perfect to add on. So we went to those owners and said, hey, you know, we know it's not for sale, but would you be willing to sell it to us? And thankfully Mm -hmm. they were. And so that's how we came to purchase that property um, last year. And for us, you know, we're really looking long-term. And so COVID of course um, is not helping anything really for us. However, you know, we are looking at this 
I'm 37 years old. My husband's also 39. And so we're looking at this really for the next 20 years of our career until maybe mm-hmm. our kids are, are old enough and decide they want to potentially take it over. So um, it, it has definitely um, not made anything easier, but being farmers, we're kind of used to some of those challenges and having to get creative and diversify further. So here we are. We, we opened um, a drive through this year. We actually um, serendipitously opened a light show last year that was already a drive through model, not, of course, anticipating COVID and people wanting to do contact lists. So we now have um, a variety of drive through events that we're doing in addition to our traditional fall festival. That's interesting. So it, because I would imagine, like I've talked to people and I've been the who create events, and when you think about space and what it entails, it could either be exciting or intimidating. But I think there's something interesting about what you said is that considering you guys are farmers first, you guys, when you think about land, it's automatically a different perspective than someone who is not familiar with acreage. You know, so. is there something about that of you having a little bit of innate understanding of in my mind, if someone said, okay, we have five acres to work with, I'd be like, I'm lost. I don't even know where to begin. I don't know how to even think about that. Uh, But farmers, you guys probably have a whole different idea of what it means to build out a real experience based on the space of, uh, of the land that you have, I'm guessing. Definitely. You know, we look at it uh, from our first perspective, like you said, we're looking at it from farming. So we're looking at the soil, Mm -hmm. we're looking at what we can grow on it. Um, The second perspective, which has kind of just happened organically, no pun intended, is the potential for development, of course. Um, And, you know, for farmers and for many farm families, their biggest asset is the land that they own. You won't need that farmers that have 401ks or retirement plans or all of this because everything that they have goes into their land or their operation. Um, And so for us, we have kind of this third tier of, you know, for this property specifically, we have 104 acres. And Mm. instead of, you know, kind of, it, it is sometimes overwhelming, but it's also probably more so for us an opportunity of what can we do that is based in agriculture, but is also has that entertainment piece that, you know, people like. Um, And here in Minnesota, we have so many of our guests have farming roots, whether it's their grandparents or maybe it's an aunt and uncle. Um, They have ancestry in farming. And so to kind of bring them back to that farming space has been really a joy to see people. People have a fun time at it. Can you talk a little bit about maybe themes that you've developed? Uh, obviously, this year, I know you already mentioned the drive-through elements. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was definitely wanted to ask you about working with, uh, with uh, Brian, mm-hmm. your artist, and, and creating experience out. Uh, about kind of com- creating that theme. I know you did something with dinosaurs. And just that conversation of f- developing something that's a combination of both farming but also entertainment for your audience. Yeah, so we started actually back in 1997. um, And we as a family have been part of the University of Minnesota MAST program, which is an agriculture program. And um, my father-in-law, Seaver, who started the Fall Festival, he is a third generation here on the farm. And he had English exchange students that year. And they had been telling him about the labyrinth mazes of England. 
And so he looked at his wife, Sharon, and said, you know, I, let's do that out of corn. Why not? You know, we totally could. We can pull it. We can make a design. And his that's family- that's the, immediately the first thing that I would say after hearing that, that we need to make that out of corn. <laughs> I, I completely agree with him. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. And so, um, you know, people that if his family and friends that are in agriculture looked at him like, you're never going to get someone to want to walk through a cornfield. Like, it's just you're nuts. And he said, hey, I, yeah. think, I think there might be something to it. So that's where we started. We literally started as just a corn maze. We sold cookies. Um, I actually started working at our corn maze when I was 14. So I've been working here since night. Wow. Um, except our very first one. And, um, you know, the themes are really sometimes we look to current. was i will say in times that were much less than they are now so we probably wouldn't go that course um you know but we've done and then we've also done geography and we try to add a national i lost you there for nicole can you repeat that for a second you said you said you did geography You know, we've done the pyramids, we've done the world, we've done the continental United States. Um, and then we also look now, you know, my husband and I and my brother-in-law and his wife are the fourth generation and we have small children. And so now we look to them hmm. for inspiration. And at, currently my three-year-old is obsessed with monkeys. And so that's kind of where the Amazon came from of, well, you know, let's do the Amazon rainforest theme this year because... Mm -hmm. Our kids are into it. And if our kids are into it, probably other kids are into it. So it's really as simple as kind of sitting around our kitchen table throughout the winter and and the time that we plan our various things. It actually goes in. I like that the the research, you know, and I mean this in the best way, is just like, what you looking at? Yeah. Like you just turn to you there, yeah. like what, what, what do you, what do you like? Mm-hmm. And and just like, I like, it's like, I like birds. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's do that. Yeah. That works totally. We are we are a family business <laughs> through and through. Now, obviously, I mean, we, we touched on it a little bit uh, with the, the the hit of this of, of COVID. Obviously, everybody's world is turned upside down. Um, but did you get? like leading up to this year, was there a lot of response from the community where people are like, I really hope you guys do something. I don't know what it is, but we love going there. And did you feel this real strong pull from the community that says maybe in the beginning, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to figure something out to provide a service for them. Probably. And to us, Nicole, I'm sorry. Are you? Can you? Uh, yeah. Can you repeat that? I, I, for some reason, technically, I, I, I couldn't hear you from where maybe you might be. Hello. You're just going in and out a little bit. I don't know from from where you are. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so what I was saying is I would say the majority of our patrons look to us to hopefully do something because they were simply itching to request. 
in the middle of April, which, wow, you know, we're kind of surprised that people want to sell just for something to do. Um, but us to get creative for this fall. And we have worked with state agencies here in Minnesota to the creativity of doing this. So that we can offer our patrons one or traditional fall festival event should they choose to come or if they you know maybe are living with someone who's high risk or are high risk we are still then offering a more contactless event where it's still fun it's got it uh Again, I'm I'm sorry, Nicole. We can even I can edit this in that way. Just for whatever reason, it seems to be. I don't know where you are if it's good signal or not, but I, it, just going in and out. So if it, we're, okay, if you happen to be in a place that's good, that's okay. I I just wanted to I I can edit it and we can also go back if we need to. Uh, but just wanted to make okay. sure if you if you have a if you have a good spot, uh, that'd be that that'd be great. Uh, so just yeah, I want to just clarify that. So you 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 said you have stuff for both. Uh, for social distancing, you, you you were going on. You were talking about that for a second. We have worked agencies to ensure that we can operate a safe event. Um, we have our traditional fall festival, which, of course, like I mentioned, we've got over a hundred acres, and so I think people are definitely looking to get outdoors this fall, and I think they feel safer outdoors. Um, but in addition, you know, of course, we then opened this new drive-through for our patrons that. Maybe they themselves are high risk or they're living with someone who's high risk. Um, and so that then offers them the opportunity to still get out, you know, still do something fun with their family and their vehicle, but it's more contactless, which I do think a certain, a certain percentage of our patrons are looking for. Sure. All right. So, so let's talk about, it. so, so the big thing that you guys have been pushing is obviously the, the drive through element and in, online and uh, you you're actually collaborated with an artist uh, with uh, Brian Seb- Sebasti, if I'm saying it correctly. Yeah, uh, is that, is that the first time you've collaborated with an outside artist for, to, to build out an experience? <clears throat> yes and no. So we have worked with Brian Sebasti for gosh, I'm going to say 10, 12 years to so long. Oh, okay. I can't remember how long we've worked with him. So he, sculptures and festival for many years he's incredibly creative so he has built art um, generally that is theme related to our corn maze design um, out of straw out of pumpkins out of gourds you know all of those kind of farm fall materials and he come to us with this idea of kind of a store come to life even before this year but we had always envisioned it as a walking path and so this mm. spring we sat down with him and we said, well, setting it up as a drive-thru. And anything sort of spectacular. And so we knew what well, is going to be really, really cool. Um, and he did. So he wrote all of the riddles and rhymes that we have. They're kind of original limericks. And then he created these characters to go along with the riddles and rhymes. Um, so it's all from Brian's creativity. And then within the drive-through, it's a treasure hunt. So you're looking for various characters as you do the drive-through as, as well. Um, 
and that is really kind of, I don't know if you're familiar with the I spy books, but it's kind of like an I spy book come to life. I don't have them all memorized, but I think I know what you're, what they're referring to. (laughs) So, and and that's built into as people go along the drive of of these like points within it that they're they're supposed to look for. So, okay. So this is, this gets down to a thing I'm always curious about when there are, when people do riddles and they really try to invent riddles. Now, who is the determining factor of how hard a riddle is? Because I'm awful at riddles and I'm an adult. So I always like to think, all right, if he gets it or she gets it, we can do it. Otherwise, we have to come up with a new one because no one will get it. It's like, is there a general level of riddle solving? It's it's (laughs) funny that you say that because um, in the treasure hunt, you are looking for the world's smallest donkey. Well, it actually is so small that it doesn't exist. And so people, mm-hmm. we allow people to drive through as many times as they want. And we had some people driving through four or five times looking for this world's smallest donkey until finally they'd ask us. That it's not there because it's so <laughs> tiny that it doesn't even exist. And, you know, people always laughed. And so we thought, well, yeah, our for the world's smallest donkey. So we ended up putting a tiny, tiny little donkey into it. Um, and so that's, okay. that's probably the hardest riddle. Most of it more rhymes and kind of plays on words that people have seen, um, you know, whether it's Haley and her pet, you know, Haley, the got chicken out. It's, we've got dragonflies. We've got all these different characters. I would say we're trying to keep and, the and riddle I- level easy. Relatively for everybody, yes. I, and I, I, I makes sense. Exactly. That makes sense. I just love the fact there was like a family driving through. It's like I saw that donkey. It's yes. there, right? And at a certain point, you just have to be like, mm-hmm, it's yep. there. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And of course, every, you know, everyone thought it was funny, but I was like, well, there, you never know. There could be someone who maybe doesn't think that that's that. <laughs> that's correct. Okay. So it's taking it way too serious. Like I came here to see the small just donkey. Yeah, the world. And I'm not leaving. And I'm not leaving till I see. I'm it. not leaving <laughs> till I see it. Uh, now the other one you mentioned that I saw online. So there is a, there is a chicken samurai. Yes. 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 I'm, I'm interested for that. Like in my mind of creative, like events, I'm like, I want to see that. I don't need to know anymore. I just want to see how they implement chicken samurai into any kind of yes. that they're, they're doing. It's very, I will, I will send uh, you a picture because it is very, very cool. His, his is, he is very, very artistic. That's great. And, and it's been, obviously you just sort of opened up. It's been a little over two weeks, right? Since it's since opened up and the feedback has been positive. Yes. It, seems it like is. It. Yes. It's been very positive. I mean, we, I think people who maybe aren't in small business or aren't, aren't um, operating their own business. I, I don't know if they always necessarily understand how much heart and soul goes into creating something. Yeah off just for the first time and you're thinking you know that little johnny gets along with everybody and they like him and you know he doesn't have any issues it's this event that you've worked so hard on um it's i hope everybody likes it we think it's really cool but will everybody else think it's really cool you you know you start kind of second guessing yourself enough to say that so far the feedback has been really good people have loved it um something that we are already looking to expand for 2021 and do some more creative things to it. So we're excited. We're very excited. 
And have you ever, have you gotten any feedback from maybe any other larger scale events that are looking to do drive through experiences? I'm sure sometimes the first one in is very helpful, you know, uh, a wonderful way for people to, to gather information about potential experiences and, you know, ha- have you had any poss- anything like that from other uh, venues? I would say that the industry that we're in, which we kind of consider agritainment to a degree, um, is relatively small here in Minnesota mm-hmm. and haven't had anyone reach out specifically back on a drive through event. I think if this... Nicola, and like I said, I lo- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I I lost you that last one. Can you just repeat what you just said? Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Um, what I was saying is, you know, the industry that we consider agritainment is relatively small here in Minnesota. So most of us do another, and we haven't had anyone specifically reach out to get through feedback quite yet. I think most people in our industry are in survival mode of looking to 2021. Being said, if sure. COVID and the impact you know, goes into 2021, whether that's next spring, next fall, I do think we'll probably have people asking for our feedback on drive through And we're very supportive of that. I mean, most people in this industry, and it's a good way to keep the farm in the family. So we're very supportive, even though it's competition, mm. we're supportive of, of one another. And listen, not everybody has a hundred acres to work with, so it's a very specific <laughs> thing in the and first it, place. It's probably harder to implement than than it looks, you know, for the most yes, part. Yes, I would, I, I would, I would, I really would imagine so. <laughs> so, considering you have been in the that your specific business since you were fourteen, you probably have a, a really interesting, possible inter- interesting answer to this question. Uh, we always like to ask at this part of the concept people who are creators of experiences. Uh, obviously it's important to try stuff. You guys are trying something new with the drive through and that's a, a life, you know, that's a, a big part of all kinds of experiences, but sometimes people try things and they don't work. And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of helpful for people who are listening. If they're looking to try something to hear those stories about things that don't work. So if you wouldn't mind, if you could share maybe something through your years of doing this, where you're like, Oh, it's a great idea. We're going to try to implement it. And it turns out, well, that didn't work. And I was wondering if maybe you could maybe share an experience uh, of something of when, that, of when that happened. Yes, I, I definitely can. I would say that many people look to us being a fall event. Um, and we kind of delved into that. It was probably, oh, goodness, I'm going to say 12, 13 years ago. We said, well, you know, maybe we can turn our event in the evening into a haunted event and we can, you know, put actors into the corn maze and, and make it into more of a scary time and an older kid, teenagers, young adult type. Uh, that did not work very well for us. I think that our brand <laughs> was, was it's very family centric. And I think that that's what we'll come to expect when they hear that Seavers is putting something on. And so that did not take off for us, which at the time I was surprised because I thought, you know, this is another cool um, event that we can put on. It's a different demographic. And for us, you know, we're always trying to expand that demographic. And the last few years, I think we have finally said, hey, our demographic is is families, um, you know, multi-generational families where the grandparents come with their, their grandkids. And that's our lane. And it's a lane that we do, in my opinion, relatively well. 
Um, so let's mm-hmm. stop trying to reinvent the wheel to try to get some of these other demographics on site. So that was something that was what we thought a really good idea at the time. It did not take off and we stuck with it for a couple of years. And then we finally just said, you know what, we're not doing it anymore. No one showed you children of the corn. Right. Like no and one that's was what I was going like, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, this is going to be so popular. People are already like kind of naturally fearful of, of a cornfield at dark, but that yeah. was not the case. I think I think that's what it is. It's like it's one of those things you could see a movie that's scary, and I was like, oh right. But then it's the same thing if you would like if you would go into a right. cave or go someplace for real. Like, oh, that's really right. frightening. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't want yeah. physical. I don't want to be in that physical yeah. proximity exactly. to my fear. Exactly. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so, and like you said, it, it goes now all through. Uh, November, right? November first, I think right. is well, yes, yes and no. So we have our fall festival that opens September eleventh. That'll run till November first. Our stories, mm-hmm. riddles, and rhymes will open, or excuse me, will run through November. Have a drive-through, which will run, and then we actually, um, as of last year, had put in um, a holiday light show that. Oh, you know, knowing that COVID was mm-hmm. this new drive-through, that will open on things. It's 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 great. I'm sorry. Say say that again about Thanksgiving. Um, January third. Well, I'm sorry. I apologize, Nicole. Just one thing about Thanksgiving. I wasn't. I wasn't sure what you. I missed that one part. At least I didn't hear it. Oh specifically. no. So we our stories, riddles, and rhymes drive-through is open now through November first, and then our fall mm-hmm. festival and corn maze is open September 11th through November first. We are a fall light show, which is also a drive-through, and that will run the month of October. And then we okay. actually then have a holiday light show drive through, which we established last year in 2019. Um, and that will run Thanksgiving through January 3rd. That's great. I mean, I, I think the, the thing that makes people go back is I'm sure you probably have repeat customers who like to come we do. Mm-hmm. Um, for all the, is, is you have to keep, you have to keep mixing it right. up, you know, providing a variety of, of entertainment options for it. And uh, so we, you, you mentioned you had a three-year-old. Are there any other kids, youngins that are in the yes that are the next yes. generation? Yep. So I have four children, ages eight, six, four, and three. Um, oh, and so okay. they're my best test market. And I'll tell you what, kids are honest, so they'll tell you exactly what yes. they think. That's what I'm saying. You, you, they have to be honest with you, otherwise they don't get it, dinner. It, right. So this yep. is this is this is the best. It's like no, no, no. If you don't tell me if it's good or not, no yeah, pizza. Exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so no that's actually it's probably really great to be able to get that immediate feedback from um from their t- from your perfect test audience that's that's probably very it helpful is. it is very helpful uh and it actually has to as you i i, I think as you, like you said you went through it and you were 14 it has to be really exciting for you to see the joy in your kids eyes as they grow up being part of this process like it must be really cool it is to be able to see them take it in and it- uh, enjoy it, it is it's very gratifying I mean there are times where of course 
you know, I think anyone running a small family business wants to pull their hair out. Of course, anyone at, you know, at any time can have those moments. But, you know, when I stop and think, and I look at my father-in-law who's 76 and my mother-in-law who's 70 and, and they're still at it. And then I look at the next generation that's in their late thirties. And then I look even to the next generation, which will be the fifth, you know, it is gratifying to see people still in farming and it might not look exactly Mm -hmm. as it did a hundred years ago or even 130 years ago, which was when our farm was established. Um, But it's still operating. And even though it looks different, we are still farming, we are still growing. um, And it is, it is nice to know that my kids will have that option should they so choose it to continue into it. That's, that's really a wonderful story. I mean, I, I think it's something about, I created this podcast, the idea of showing the value of experiences mm-hmm. and how it really is uh, transformational, not only, uh, not only for the people you're trying to do it for, but for the creators themselves. And I think you have such a special version of that because you are, it's built into your family bloodline basically. right thank you yeah uh, which is a talk about like passing from generation to generation like that's such an interesting um storyline you guys get to share so uh, kudos thank to you, you for, for thank that you. um and all the information that people or in minnesota they want to go to is on the website that's right, right? so we have our website is seversfestivals.com and that is where you can find out about all four of our events um, and we've already kind of got our brains looking to 2021 and other ways that we can expand and, and do more offerings. So people should definitely keep an eye on that and our social media pages. Awesome. And chicken samurai. I chicken think let's sam- just let and chicken samurai. And, so true. And chicken samurai yes. for all you chicken samurai fans out there. And you know who you are. <laughs> now you have a place where you can go and see chicken samurai. That's right. In action. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nicole, thank you so much for, for coming on the, on the podcast today. Uh, and I, I look forward to hearing more about all the fun adventures you have, co- you have going on. Thank out you, there. David. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Take yep, care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello? Hi. Hi, David. Can you hear me? I can. Nicole, can you hear me okay? I can. I can. Hi. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for uh, doing this with me today, of being course. on the podcast. So uh, I was on, it's Severs, correct? Severs, uh, actually. Severs. Yeah. See, this is how it happens. You start mm-hmm. off podcast and you start it off wrong. So that's why you ask up front. No, worries. Be, <laughs> no worries at all. So it, I was researching you guys uh, uh, before we talked today. And what I guess is exciting and also kind of affects into what you're doing now is that you just recently moved this in 2019 to this bigger space, right? It's actually three times bigger than the space you had previously. Correct? That's correct. That's correct. How is, how is that knowing that you are dealing, uh, going for, well, how big was the space prior uh, to this was? You know, it was um, what happened. And, and this might be more information than you, than you really want, but, So we had been at a location next to Canterbury Park here in Shakopee, Minnesota, and we had been there for 20 years. We had always rented the space, and they were a lovely neighbor. Um, We really liked using them kind of as a landmark and the partnership that went along with that. 
And then they decided to develop the land that we were on. And um, we just Mm. simply couldn't compete with what the developers were paying, which makes total sense. And they were very upfront and honest with us about that. Um, And so we are farmers by trade. So we had um, some farms that we were looking at and the permitting just didn't end up working out. And so this piece of property that we are on, part of it was for sale. Um, And we looked at it and we thought, this is great. It's just not big enough. And then the piece next to it would be also perfect to add on. So we went to those owners and said, hey, you know, we know it's not for sale, but would you be willing to sell it to us? And thankfully Mm -hmm. they were. And so that's how we came to purchase that property um, last year. And for us, you know, we're really looking long term. And so COVID, of course, um, is not helping anything really for us. However, You know, we are looking at this. I'm 37 years old. My husband's also 39. And so we're looking at this really for the next 20 years of our career until maybe mm-hmm. our kids are, are old enough and decide they want to potentially take it over. So um, it, it has definitely um, not made anything easier. But being farmers, we're kind of used to some of those challenges and having to get creative and diversify further. So here we are. We we opened um, a drive-through this year. We actually um, serendipitously opened a light show last year that was already a drive-through model, not of course anticipating COVID and people wanting to do contact lifts. So we now have um, a variety of drive-through events that we're doing in addition to our traditional fall festival. That's interesting. So it. it- because I would imagine, like I, I've talked to people, and I, I've been the who create events. And when you think about space and what it entails, it could either be exciting or intimidating. But I think there's something interesting about what you said: is that considering you guys are farmers first, you guys, when you think about land, it's automatically a different perspective than someone who is not familiar with acreage. You Definitely. know, so. I, is, is there something about that of you having a little bit of innate understanding of? In my mind, if someone said, okay, we have five acres to work with, I'd be like, I'm lost. I don't even know where to begin. Right. I don't know how to even right. think about that. Uh, but for farmers, you guys probably have a whole different idea of what it means to build out a real experience based on the space of, uh, of the land that you have, I'm guessing. Definitely. You know, we look at it uh, from our first perspective. Like you said, we're looking at it from farming. So we're looking at the soil. Mm-hmm. We're looking at what we can grow on it. Um, the second perspective, which has kind of just happened organically, no pun intended, is the potential for development, of course. Um, and, you know, for farmers and for many farm families, their biggest asset is the land that they have. Um, you won't see sure. that farmers that have 401ks or retirement plans or all of this because everything that they have goes into their land or their operation. Um, and so... For us, we have kind of this third tier of, you know, for this property specifically, we have 104 acres. And Mm. instead of, you know, kind of, it it is sometimes overwhelming, but it's also probably more so for us an opportunity of what can we do that is based in agriculture, but is also has that entertainment piece that, you know, people like. Um, And here in Minnesota, we have so many of our guests have farming roots, whether it's their grandparents, or maybe it's an aunt and uncle. Um, they have ancestry in farming, and so to kind of bring them back to that 
farming space has been really a joy to see people. People have a fun time at it. Can you talk a little bit about maybe themes that you've developed? Uh, obviously, this year, I know you already mentioned uh, the drive-through elements. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was definitely wanted to ask you about working with, uh, with uh, Brian, mm-hmm. your artist, and, and creating experience out. Uh, about kind of com- creating that theme. I know you did something with dinosaurs and just that conversation of f- developing something that's a combination of both farming, but also entertainment for your audience. Yeah, so we started actually back in 1997. Um, and we as a family have been part of the University of Minnesota MAST program, which is an agriculture program. And um, my father-in-law, Seaver, who started the fall festival, he is a third generation here on the farm and he had English exchange students that year and they had been telling him about the labyrinth mazes of England. And so he looked at his wife, Sharon, and said, you know, I, let's do that out of corn. Why not? You know, we totally could, we can pull it, we can make a design. And his that's, family- that's the immediately the first thing that I would say after hearing that, that we need to make that out of corn. <laughs> I, I completely agree with him. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and so, um, you know, people that, if his family and friends that are in agriculture looked at him like, you're never going to get someone to want to walk through a cornfield. Like, it's just, you're nuts. And he said, ah, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think there might be something to it. So that's where we started. We literally started as just a corn maze. We sold cookies. Um, I actually started working at our corn maze when I was 14. So I've been working here since night. Wow. Um, except our very first one. And, um, you know, the themes are really, sometimes we look to current was I will say in times that were much less than they are now so we probably wouldn't go that course um you know but we've done and then we've also done geography and we try to add a national I lost you there for Nicole can you repeat that for a second you said you said you did geography You know, we've done the pyramids, we've done the world, we've done the continental United States. Um, and then we also look now, you know, my husband and I and my brother-in-law and his wife are the fourth generation and we have small children. And so now we look to them hmm. for inspiration. And at, currently my three-year-old is obsessed with monkeys. And so that's kind of where the Amazon came from of, well, you know, let's do the Amazon rainforest theme this year because... Mm -hmm. Our kids are into it. And if our kids are into it, probably other kids are into it. So it's really as simple as kind of sitting around our kitchen table throughout the winter and and the time that we plan our various things. Um, It actually goes in. I like that the the research, you know, and I mean this in the best way, is just like, what you looking at? Yeah. Like you just turn to you through yeah. like what 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 do you what do you like mm-hmm. and and just like I like it's like I like birds mm-hmm. it's like let's do that yeah. that works totally we are <laughs> we are a family business through and through now obviously I, we, we touched on it a little bit uh, with the, the the hit of this of, of COVID obviously everybody's world is turned upside down um, but did you get like leading up to this year, was there a lot of response from the community where people are like, I really hope you guys do something. I don't know what it is, but we love going there. And did you feel this real strong pull from the community that says, 
maybe in the beginning, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to figure something out to provide a service for them. Probably. To us. Nicole, I'm sorry. Are you, can you, uh, yeah. can you repeat that? I, I, for some reason, technically I, I, I couldn't hear you from where maybe you might be. Hello? You're just going in and out a little bit. I don't know from, from where you are. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so what I was saying is I would say the majority of our patrons look to us to hopefully do something because they were simply itching to request. In the middle of April, which... Oh, you know, we're kind of surprised that people want to sell just for something to do. Um, but us to get creative for this fall. And we have worked with state agencies here in Minnesota to the creativity of doing this. So that we can offer our patrons one or traditional fall festival event should they choose to come. Or if they, you know, maybe are living with someone who's high risk or are high risk, we are still then offering a more contactless event where it's still fun. It's got it. Uh, again, I'm I'm sorry, Nicole. We can even I can edit this in that way. Just for whatever reason, it seems to be. I don't know where you are. If it's good signal or not but i it, just going in and out so if it, we're okay, if you happen to be in a place that's good that's okay i i just wanted to i, I can edit it and we can also go back if we need to uh but just wanted to make okay. sure if you if you have a if you have a good spot uh that'd be that, that'd be great uh so just yeah i want to just uh, clarify that so you 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 said you have stuff for both uh for social distancing you you, you were going on you were talking about that for a second yeah we're Agencies to ensure that we can operate a safe event. Um, we have our traditional fall festival, which of course, like I mentioned, we've got over a hundred acres. And so I think people are definitely looking to get outdoors this fall. And I think they feel safer outdoors. Um, but in addition, you know, of course we then opened this new drive through for our patrons that maybe they themselves are high risk or they're living with someone who's high risk. Um, and so that then offers them the opportunity to still get out, you know, still do something fun with their family and their vehicle, but it's more contactless, which I do think a certain, a certain percentage of our patrons are looking for. Sure. All right. So, so let's talk about, it. so, so the big thing that you guys have been pushing is obviously the, the drive through element and in, online and uh, you, you're actually collaborated with an artist, uh, with, uh, Brian Seb- Sebasti, if I'm, I'm saying it correctly, yeah, uh, is that, is that the first time you've collaborated with an outside artist for, to, to build out an experience? <clears throat> yes and no. So we have worked with Brian Sebasti for gosh, I'm going to say 10, 12 years to so long. Oh, okay. I can't remember how long we've worked with him. So he, Uh, sculptures and festival for many years he's incredibly creative so he has built art um, generally that is theme related to our corn maze design um, 
out of straw, out of pumpkins, out of gourds, you know, all of those kind of farm fall materials. And come to us with this idea of kind of a store come to life, even before this year, but we had always envisioned it as a walking path. And so this mm-hmm. spring we sat down with and we said, well, setting it up as a drive through anything sort of spectacular and so we knew what is going to be really really cool um and he did so he wrote all of the riddles and rhymes that we have they're kind of original limericks Mm. and then he created these characters to go along with the riddles and rhymes um, so it's all from Brian's creativity. And then within the drive through it's a treasure hunt. So you're looking for various characters as you do the drive through as, as well. Um, and that is really kind of, I don't know if you're familiar with the I Spy books, but it's kind of like an I Spy book come to life. I don't have them all memorized, but I think I know what you're, what they're referring yeah. to. <laughs> so, and, and that's built into as people go along the drive of, Correct. of these like points within it that they're, they're supposed to look to for. So, okay. So this is, this gets down to a thing I'm always curious about when there are, when people do riddles and they really try to invent riddles. Now, who is the determining factor of how hard a riddle is? Cause I'm awful at riddles and I'm an adult. So I always like to think, all right, if he gets it or she gets it, we can do it. Otherwise, we have to come up with a new one because no one will get it. Well, it's like, is there a general it's, level it's, of riddle solving? It's, it's <laughs> funny that you say that because um, in the treasure hunt, you are looking for the world's smallest donkey. While it actually is so small that it doesn't exist. And so people, mm-hmm. we allow people to drive through as many times as they want. And we had some people driving through four or five times looking for this world's smallest donkey until finally they'd ask us. That it's not there because it's so <laughs> tiny that it doesn't even exist. And you know, people always laughed. And so we thought, well, yeah, our for the world's smallest donkey. So we ended up putting a tiny, tiny little donkey into it. Um, and so that's okay, that's probably the hardest riddle. Most of it more rhymes and kind of plays on words that people have seen. Um, you know, whether it's Haley and her pet, you know, Haley the got chicken out it's we've got dragonflies we've got all these different characters i would say we're trying to keep and, the and riddle level relatively for everybody yes. I, and I, I that makes sense exactly. that makes sense i just love the fact there was like a family driving through it's like i saw that donkey it's yes. there right and at a certain point you just have to be like mm-hmm it's yep. there, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and of course, every, you know, everyone thought it was funny, but I was like, well, there, you never know. There could be someone who maybe doesn't think that that's that. <laughs> that's correct. Okay. So it's taking it way too seriously. Like, I came here to see the small, just the yep, the world. And I'm not leaving. And I'm not leaving till I see it. I'm not leaving <laughs> till I see it. Uh, now, the other one you mentioned that I saw online. So there is a, there is a chicken samurai. Yes. 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 I mean, I'm interested for that. Like in my mind of creative like events, I'm like, I want to see that. I don't need to know anymore. I just want to see how they implement chicken samurai into any kind of yes. that they're, they're doing. It's very, I will, I will send uh, you a picture because it is very, very cool. His, 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 he is very, very artistic. 
That's great. And, and it's been, obviously you just sort of opened up. It's been a little over two weeks, right? Since it's since opened up and the feedback has been positive. Yes. It, seems it like is. It. Yes. It's been very positive. I mean, we, I think people who maybe aren't in small business or aren't, aren't um, operating their own business. I, I don't know if they always necessarily understand how much heart and soul goes into creating something. Yeah. Filed off just for the first time and you're thinking, you know, that little Johnny gets along with everybody and they like him and, you know, he doesn't have any issues. It's this event that you've worked so hard on. Um, it's, I hope everybody likes it. We think it's really cool, but will everybody else think it's really cool? You, you know, you start kind of second guessing yourself. Enough to say that so far the feedback has been really good. People have loved it. Um, something that we are already looking to expand for 2021 and do some more creative things to it. So we're excited. We're very excited. And have you ever, have you gotten any feedback from maybe any other larger scale events that are looking to do drive-through experiences? I'm sure sometimes the first one in is very helpful, you know, uh, a wonderful way for people to, to gather information about potential experiences and, you know, ha- have you had any poss- anything like that from other uh, venues? I would say that the industry that we're in, which we kind of consider agritainment to a degree, um, is relatively small here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And haven't had anyone reach out specifically back on a drive through event. I think if this. Nicola, and like I said, I lo- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I I lost you that last one. Can you just repeat what you just said? Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Um, what I was saying is, you know, the industry that we consider agritainment is relatively small here in Minnesota. So most of us do another, and we haven't had anyone specifically reach out to get through feedback quite yet. I think most people in our industry are in survival mode of looking to 2021. Instead, if sure. COVID and the impact you know, goes into 2021, whether that's next spring, next fall, I do think we'll probably have people asking for our feedback on drive through And we're very supportive of that. I mean, most people in this industry, and it's a good way to keep the farm in the family. So we're very supportive, even though it's competition, mm. we're supportive of, of one another. And listen, not everybody has a hundred acres to work with, so it's a very specific <laughs> thing in the and first it, place. It's probably harder to implement than than it looks, you know, for the most yes, part. Yes, I would, I, I would, I would, I really would imagine so. <laughs> so, considering you have been in the that your specific business since you were fourteen, you probably have a, a really interesting, possible interesting answer to this question. Uh, we always like to ask at this part of the concept of people who are creators of experiences. Uh, obviously it's important to try stuff. You guys are trying something new with the drive-through and that's a, a life, you know, that's a, a big part of all kinds of experiences, but sometimes people try things and they don't work. And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of helpful for people who are listening. If they're looking to try something to hear those stories about things that don't work. So if you wouldn't mind, if you could share maybe something through your years of doing this, where you're like, Oh, it's a great idea. We're going to try to implement it. And it turns out, well, that didn't work. And I was wondering if maybe you could maybe share an experience uh, of something of when, that, of when that happened. Yes, I, I definitely can. I would say that many people look to us being a fall event. 
Um, and we kind of delved into that. It was probably, oh goodness, I'm going to say 12, 13 years ago. We said, well, you know, maybe we can turn our event in the evening into a haunted event and we can, you know, put actors into the corn maze and, and make it into more of a scary time and an older kid, teenagers, young adult type. Uh, that did not work very well for us. I think that our brand was, was it's very family centric. And I think that that's what people come to expect when they hear that Seavers is putting something on. And so that did not take off for us, which at the time I was surprised because I thought, you know, this is another cool um, event that we can put on. It's a different demographic. And for us, you know, we're always trying to expand that demographic. And the last few years, I think we have finally said, hey, our demographic is, is families, um, you know, multi-generational families where the grandparents come with their, their grandkids and that's our lane. And it's a lane that we do, in my opinion, relatively well. Um, so let's mm. stop trying to reinvent the wheel to try to get some of these other demographics on site. So that was something that was what we thought a really good idea at the time. It did not take off and we stuck with it for a couple of years. And then we finally just said, you know what, we're not doing it anymore. No one showed you children of the corn. Right. Like no and one that's was what I was going like, you know, it's like, oh, this is gonna be so popular. People are already like kind of naturally fearful of, of a cornfield at dark, but that yeah. was not the case. I think I think that's what it is. It's like it's one of those things you could see a movie that's scary and it was like, Oh, right, but then it's the same thing if you would like if you would go into a right. cave or go someplace where we're like, Oh, that's really right. frightening. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't want yes. physical, I don't want to be in that physical yes. proximity exactly. to my fear. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so, and like you said, it, it goes now all through uh, November, right? November that's, 1st, that's I think right. is. Well, yes, yes and no. So we have our fall festival that opens September 11th. That'll run till November 1st. Our stories, mm-hmm. riddles, and rhymes will open or excuse me will run through november drive through which will run and then we actually um as of last year had put in um a holiday light show that throughout you know knowing that covid was Mm -hmm. this new drive through that will open on things It's, it's, it's great. I'm sorry, say, say that again about Thanksgiving. January 3rd. Well, I'm sorry. I apologize, Nicole. Just one thing about Thanksgiving. I wasn't, I wasn't sure what you, I missed that one part. At least I didn't hear it. Oh, no. So we, our stories, riddles, and rhymes drive-through is open now through November 1st. And then our fall mm-hmm. festival and corn maze is open September 11th through November 1st. We are a fall light show, which is also a drive-through, and that will run the month of October. And then we okay. actually then have a holiday light show drive-through, which we established last year in 2019. Um, and that will run Thanksgiving through January 3rd. That's great. I mean, I, I think the the thing that makes people go back is I'm sure you probably have repeat customers who like to come. We do. Mm-hmm. Um, for is is you have to keep you have to keep mixing it right. up. You know, providing a variety of of entertainment options for it. And uh, so, 
we you you mentioned you had a three year old. Are there any other kids, youngins that are in the yes that are the next yes. generation? Yep. So I have four children, ages eight, six, four, and three. Um, oh, so okay. they're my best test market. And I'll tell you what, kids are honest, so they'll tell you exactly what. Yes. That's what I'm saying. You, you, they have to be honest with you. Otherwise they don't get dinner. Right. So this yep. is, this is, this is the best. It's like, no, no, no. If you don't tell me if it's good or not, no yeah, pizza. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so no, that's actually, it's probably really great to be able to get that immediate feedback from, um, from their, t- from your perfect test audience. That's, that's probably very it helpful. Is. It is very helpful. Uh, and it actually has this, as you, I, I, I think, as you, like you said, you went through it when you were 14. It has to be really exciting for you to see the joy in your kids' eyes as they grow up being part of this process. Like, it must be really cool it is. to be able to see them take it in and it, uh, enjoy it. It is. It's very gratifying. I mean, there are times where, of course, you know, I think anyone running a small family business wants to pull their hair out. Of course, anyone, at you know, at any time sure. can have those moments. but. You know, when I stop and think and I look at my father-in-law who's 76 and my mother-in-law who's 70 and and they're still at it. And then I look at the next generation that's in their late 30s. And then I look even to the next generation, which will be the fifth. You know, it is gratifying to see people still in farming. And it might not look exactly Mm -hmm. as it did um, 100 years ago or even 130 years ago, which was when our farm was established. Um, but it's still operating. And even though it looks different, we are still farming, we are still growing. Um, and it is, it is nice to know that my kids will have that option should they so choose it to continue into it. That's, that's really a wonderful story. I mean, I, I think it's something about, I created this podcast, the idea of showing the value of experiences Mm -hmm. and how it really is, uh, transformational, not only, not only for the people you're trying to do it for, but for the creators themselves. And I think you have such a special version of that because you are, it's built into your family bloodline. Basically. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, which is a talk about like passing from generation to generation. Like that's such an interesting um, storyline you guys get to share. So uh, kudos Thank to you, you. for, for Thank that. You. Um, and all the information that people or in Minnesota that they want to go to is on the website. That's right. right? So we have our website is Seavers festivals.com and that is where you can find out about all four of our events um, and we've already kind of got our brains looking to 2021 and other ways that we can expand and and do more offerings so people should definitely keep an eye on that in our social media pages awesome and chicken samurai i chicken think let's sam- just let and chicken samurai and, so true and chicken samurai yes. for all you chicken samurai fans out there and you know who you are <laughs> Now you have a place where you can go and see Chicken Samurais. That's right. In action. That's right. <laughs> well, Nicole, thank you so much for, for coming on the on the podcast today. Uh, and I, I look forward to hearing more about all the fun adventures you have, co- you have going on. Thank out you, there. David. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Take yep, care. Bye-bye. Hello. Hi. Hi, David. Can you hear me? I can. Nicole, can you hear me okay? I can. I can. Hi. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for uh, doing this with me today, of being course. on the podcast. So uh, I was on, it's Severs, correct? Uh, uh, I, I, you always, 
Seavers, actually. Seavers. Yeah. See, this is how it happens. You start mm-hmm. off podcast and you start it off wrong, so that's why you ask up front. No worries. Wanna, you know? <laughs> no worries at all. So it, I was researching you guys uh, uh, before we talked today, and what I guess is exciting and also kind of affects into what you're doing now is that you just recently moved this in 2019 to this bigger space, right? It's actually three times bigger than the space you had previously, correct? That's correct. That's correct. How is, how is that knowing that you are dealing, uh, going for, well, how big was the space prior uh, to this was? You know, it was, um, what happened, and, and this might be more information than you, than you really want, but so we had <laughs> been at a location next to Canterbury Park here in Shakopee, Minnesota, and we had been there for 20 years. We had always rented the space, and they were a lovely neighbor. Um, we really liked ha- using them kind of as a landmark and the partnership that went along with that. And then they decided to develop the land that we were on. And um, we just mm. simply couldn't compete with what the developers were paying, which makes total sense. And they were very upfront and honest with us about that. Um, and so we are farmers by trade. So we had um, some farms that we were looking at and the permitting just didn't end up working out. And so this piece of property that we are on, part of it was for sale. Um, and we looked at it and we thought, this is great. It's just not big enough. And then the piece next to it would be also perfect to add on. So we went to those owners and said, hey, you know, I, we know it's not for sale, but would you be willing to sell it to us? And thankfully mm-hmm. they were. And so that's how we came to purchase that property um, last year. And for us, you know, we're really looking long term. And so COVID, of course, um, is not helping anything really for us. However, no. You know, we are looking at this. I'm 37 years old. My husband's also 39. And so we're looking at this really for the next 20 years of our career until maybe mm-hmm. our kids are, are old enough and decide they want to potentially take it over. So um, it, it has definitely um, not made anything easier. But being farmers, we're kind of used to some of those challenges and having to get creative and diversify further. So here we are. We we opened um, a drive-through this year. We actually um, serendipitously opened a light show last year that was already a drive-through model, not of course anticipating COVID and people wanting to do contact lifts. So we now have um, a variety of drive-through events that we're doing in addition to our traditional fall festival. That's interesting. So it. it... Because I would imagine, like, I, I've talked to people and I, I've been the, who create events. And when you think about space and what it entails, it can either be exciting or intimidating. But I think there's something interesting about, about what you said is that considering you guys are farmers first, you guys, when you think about land, it's automatically a different perspective than someone who is not familiar with acreage. You Definitely. know, so I, is, is there something about that of you having a little bit of innate understanding of in my mind, if someone said, okay, we have five acres to work with, I'd be like, I'm lost. I don't even know where to begin. Right. I don't know how to even right. think about that. Uh, but for farmers, you guys probably have a whole different idea of what it means to build out a real experience based on the space of, uh, of the land that you have, I'm guessing. Definitely. You know, we look at it uh, from our first perspective, like you said, we're looking at it from farming. So we're looking at the soil, mm-hmm. we're looking at what we can grow on it. Um, the second perspective, which has kind of just happened organically, no pun intended, 
is the potential for development, of course. Um, and, you know, for farmers and for many farm families, their biggest asset is the land that they own. Um, you won't sure. need that farmers that have 401ks or retirement plans or all of this because everything that they have goes into their land or their operation. Um, and so for us, we have kind of this third tier of, you know, for this property specifically, we have 104 acres. And mm. instead of, you know, kind of, it, it is sometimes overwhelming, but it's also probably more so for us an opportunity of what can we do that is based in agriculture, but is also has that entertainment piece that, you know, people like. Um, and here in Minnesota, we have so many of our guests have farming roots, whether it's their grandparents or maybe it's an aunt and uncle. Um, they have ancestry in farming. And so to kind of bring them back to that farming space has been really a joy to see people, people have a fun time at it. Can you talk a little bit about maybe themes that you've developed? Uh, obviously, this year, I know you already mentioned uh, the drive-through elements. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was definitely wanted to ask you about working with, uh, with uh, Brian, mm -hmm. your artist, and, and creating experience out uh, about kind of creating that theme. I know you did something with dinosaurs and just that conversation of f developing something that's a combination of both farming but also entertainment for your audience. Yeah, so we started actually back in 1997. Um, and we as a family have been part of the University of Minnesota MAST program, which is an agriculture program. And um, my father-in-law, Seaver, who started the Fall Festival, he is a third generation here on the farm. And he had English exchange students that year. And they had been telling him about the labyrinth mazes of England. And so he looked at his wife, Sharon, and said, you know, I, let's do that out of corn. Why not? You know, we totally could. We can poet. We can make a design. And his that's family, that's the, immediately the first thing that I would say after hearing that, that we need to make that out of corn. <laughs> I, I completely agree with him. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. No. And so, um, you know, people that if his family and friends that are in agriculture looked at him like, you're never going to get someone to want to walk through a cornfield. Like, it's just, you're nuts. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think there might be something to it. So that's where we started. We literally started as just a corn maze. We sold cookies. Um, I actually started working at our corn maze when I was 14. So I've been working here since night. Wow. Um, except our very first one. And, um, you know, the themes are really sometimes we look to current was I will say in times that were much less than they are now so we probably wouldn't go that course um, you know but we've done and then we've also done geography and we try to add a national I lost you there for Nicole can you repeat that for a second you said you said you did geography You know, we've done the pyramids, we've done the world, we've done the continental United States. Um, and then we also look now, you know, my husband and I and my brother-in-law and his wife are the fourth generation and we have small children. And so now we look to them hmm. for inspiration. And at, currently my three-year-old is obsessed with monkeys. And so that's kind of where the Amazon came from of, well, you know, let's do the Amazon rainforest theme this year because... Mm -hmm. Our kids are into it. And if our kids are into it, probably other kids are into it. So 
it's really as simple as kind of sitting around our kitchen table throughout the winter and, and the time that we planned our various things. It actually goes in coordinate. I like that the, the research, you know, and I mean this in the best way, is just like, what you looking at? Yeah. Like you just turn to you through, yeah. like, what, what, what do you, what do you like? Mm-hmm. And, and just like, I like, it's like, I like birds. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's do that. Yeah. That works. Totally. We are, we are a family business <laughs> through and through. Now, obviously we touched on it a little bit uh, with the, the, the hit of this, of, of COVID. Obviously everybody's world is turned upside down. Um, but did you get, like leading up to this year, was there a lot of response from the community where people are like, I really hope you guys do something. I don't know what it is, but we love going there. And did you feel this real strong pull from the community that says, maybe in the beginning, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to figure something out to provide a service for them. Probably. To us. Nicole, I'm sorry. Are you? Can you? Uh, yeah. Can you repeat that? I, I, for some reason, technically, I, I, I couldn't hear you from where maybe you might be. Hello. You're just going in and out a little bit. I don't know from from where you are. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so what I was saying is I would say the majority of our patrons look to us to hopefully do something because they were simply itching to request in the middle of April, which, wow, you know, we're kind of surprised that people want to sell just for something to do, um, but us to get creative for this fall. And we have worked with state agencies here in Minnesota to the creativity doing this so that we can offer our patrons one or traditional fall festival event should they choose to come or if they, you know, maybe are living with someone who's high risk or are high risk, we are still then offering a more contactless event where it's still fun, it's got it uh again i'm i'm sorry Nicole. we can even i can edit this in that way just for whatever reason it seems to be i don't know where you are if it's good signal or not but i just going in and out so if we're okay. if you happen to be in a place that's good that's okay i i just wanted to I, I can edit it and we can also go back if we need to uh but just want to make okay. sure if you if you have a if you have a good spot uh that'd be that that'd be great uh, so just, yeah, I want to just uh, clarify that. So you, you, you said you have stuff for both, uh, for social distancing, you, you, you were going on, you were talking about that for a second. We have worked agencies to ensure that we can operate a safe event. Um, we have our traditional fall festival, which of course, like I mentioned, we've got over a hundred acres. And so I think people are definitely looking to get outdoors this fall. And I think they feel safer outdoors, um, but in addition, you know, of course, we then opened this new drive-through for our patrons that maybe they themselves are high risk or they're living with someone who's high risk. 
Um, and so that then offers them the opportunity to still get out, you know, still do something fun with their family and their vehicle, but it's more contactless, which I do think a certain, a certain percentage of our patrons are looking for. Sure. All right. So, so let's talk about, so, so the big thing that you guys have been pushing is obviously the, the drive through element and online and uh, you, you're actually collaborated with an artist, uh, with, uh, Brian Sebasti, if I'm saying it correctly, Uh, is that, is that the first time you've collaborated with an outside artist for, to, to build out an experience? Yes and no. So we have worked with Brian Sabosky for, gosh, I'm going to say 10, 12 years. Two, so long, oh, okay. I can't remember how long we've worked with him. So he... Uh, sculptures and festival for many years. He's incredibly creative. So he has built art um, generally that is theme related to our corn maze design. Um out of straw, out of pumpkins, out of gourds, you know, all of those kind of farm fall materials. And he come to us with this idea of kind of a store come to life, even before this year. But we had always envisioned it as a walking path. And so this mm. spring we sat down with him and we said, well, setting it up as a drive-thru. And anything sort of spectacular and so we knew what is going to be really really cool um and he did so he wrote all of the riddles and rhymes that we have they're kind of original limericks Mm. and then he created these characters to go along with the riddles and rhymes um so it's all from brian's creativity and then within the drive-through it's a treasure hunt so you're looking for various characters as you do the drive-through as as well um and that is really kind of, I don't know if you're familiar with the I Spy books, but it's kind of like an I Spy book come to life. I don't have them all memorized, but I think I know what you're, what they're referring yeah. to. <laughs> so, and, and that's built into as people go along the drive of, Correct. of these like points within it that they're, they're supposed to look to for. So, okay. So this is, this gets down to a thing I'm always curious about when there are, when people do riddles and they really try to invent riddles. Now, who is the determining factor of how hard a riddle is? Because I'm awful at riddles and I'm an adult. So I always like to think, all right, if he gets it or she gets it, we can do it. Otherwise, we have to come up with a new one because no one will get it. Well, it's like, is there a general it's, level it's, of riddle solving? It's, it's <laughs> funny that you say that because um, in the treasure hunt, you are looking for the world's smallest donkey. Well, it actually is so small that it doesn't exist. And so people, mm-hmm. we allow people to drive through as many times as they want. And we had some people driving through four or five times looking for this world's smallest donkey until finally they'd ask us. <laughs> that it's not there because it's so <laughs> tiny that it doesn't even exist. And, you know, people always laughed. And so we thought, well, yeah, our for the world's smallest donkey. So we ended up putting a tiny, tiny little donkey into it. Um, and so that's, okay. that's probably the hardest riddle. Most of it more rhymes and kind of plays on words that people have seen, um, you know, whether it's Haley and her pet, you know, Haley, the got chicken out. It's, we've got dragonflies. We've got all these different characters. I would say we're trying to keep and, the and- riddle level. 
relatively for everybody and i i I make sense sense. i just love the fact there was like a family driving through it's like i saw that donkey it's there right and a certain point you just have to be like "Mm mm-hmm it's there sure yeah exactly (laughs) and of course you know everyone thought it was funny but i was like oh you never know there could be someone who maybe doesn't think that that's that that's correct okay so it's taking it way too serious like i came here to see the small just yeah the world and i'm not leaving and i'm not leaving till i see i'm not leaving (laughs) till i see it uh now the other one you mentioned i I saw online so there is a there is a chicken samurai yes yes i mean I'm interested for that. Like in my mind of creative like events, I'm like, I want to see that. I don't need to know anymore. I just want to see how they implement chicken samurai into any kind of yes. that they're, they're doing. It's very, I will, I will send uh, you a picture because it is very, very cool. His, his is, he is very, very artistic. That's great. And, and it's been, obviously you just sort of opened up. It's been a little over two weeks, right? Since it says opened up and the feedback has been positive. Yes. It, seems it like is. It. Yes. It's been very positive. I mean, we, I think people who maybe aren't in small business or aren't, aren't um, operating their own business. I, I don't know if they always necessarily understand how much heart and soul goes into creating something. Off just for the first time, and you're thinking, you know, that little Johnny gets along with everybody and they like him, and you know, he doesn't have any issues. It's this event that you've worked so hard on. Um, it's, I hope everybody likes it. We think it's really cool, but will everybody else think it's really cool? You, you know, you start kind of second guessing yourself. Enough to say that so far the feedback has been really good, people have loved it. Um, something that we are already looking to expand for 2021 and do some more creative things to it. So we're excited. We're very excited. And have you ever, have you gotten any feedback from maybe any other larger scale events that are looking to do drive through experiences? I'm sure sometimes the first one in is very helpful, you know, uh, a wonderful way for people to, to gather information about potential experiences and, you know, ha- have you had any poss- anything like that from other uh, venues? I would say that the industry that we're in, which we kind of consider agritainment to a degree, um, is relatively small here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And haven't had anyone reach out specifically back on a drive through event. I think if this Nicola, and like I said, I lo- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I I lost you that last one. Can you just repeat what you just said? Sorry. Yeah, no problem. Um, what I was saying is, you know, the industry that we consider agritainment is relatively small here in Minnesota. So most of us do another, and we haven't had anyone specifically reach out to get through feedback quite yet. I think most people in our industry are in survival mode of looking to 2021. Instead, if COVID and the impact goes into 2021, whether that's next spring, next fall, I do think we'll probably have people asking for our feedback on drive-through. And we're very supportive of that. I mean, most people in this industry, and it's a good way to keep the farm in the family. So we're very supportive, even though it's competition, Mm. we're supportive of, of one another. 
And listen, not everybody has a hundred acres to work with, so it's a very specific <laughs> thing in the and first it, place. It's probably harder to implement than than it looks, you know, for the most yes, part. Yes, I would, I, I would, I would, I really would imagine so. <laughs> so, considering you have been in the that your specific business since we were fourteen, you probably have a, a really interesting, possible interesting answer to this question. Uh, we always like to ask at this part of the concept of people who are creators of experiences. Uh, obviously it's important to try stuff. You guys are trying something new with the drive through and that's a, a life, you know, that's a, a big part of all kinds of experiences, but sometimes people try things and they don't work. And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of helpful for people who are listening. If they're looking to try something to hear those stories about things that don't work. So if you wouldn't mind, if you could share maybe something through your years of doing this, where you're like, Oh, it's a great idea. We're going to try to implement it. And it turns out, well, that didn't work. And I was wondering if maybe you could maybe share an experience uh, of something of when, that, of when that happened. Yes, I, I definitely can. I would say that many people look to us being a fall event. Um, and we kind of delved into that. It was probably, oh, goodness, I'm going to say 12, 13 years ago. We said, well, you know, maybe we can turn our event in the evening into a haunted event and we can, you know, put actors into the corn maze and, and make it into more of a scary time and an older kid, teenagers, young adult type. Uh, that did not work very well for us. I think that our brand <laughs> was was it's very family centric. And I think that that's what people come to expect when they hear that Seavers is putting something on. And so that did not take off for us, which at the time I was surprised because I thought, you know, this is another cool um, event that we can put on. It's a different demographic. And for us, you know, we're always trying to expand that demographic. And the last few years, I think we have finally said, Hey, our demographic is, is families, um, you know, multi-generational families where the grandparents come with their, their grandkids and that's our lane. And it's a lane that we do, in my opinion, relatively well. Um, so let's mm-hmm. stop trying to reinvent the wheel to try to get some of these other demographics on site. So that was something that was what we thought a really good idea at the time. It did not take off and we stuck with it for a couple of years. And then we finally just said, you know what, we're not doing it anymore. No one showed you children of the corn. Right? Like, no and one that's was what I was thinking. Like... <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this is going to be so popular. People are already like kind of naturally fearful of, of a cornfield at dark but that yeah. was not the case i think i think that's what it is it's like it's one of those things you could see a movie that's scary and i was like oh right but then it's the same thing if you would like if you would go into a right. cave or go someplace where you're like oh that's really right. frightening no 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 i don't i don't want yeah. physical i don't want to be in that physical yes. proximity exactly to my fear exactly <laughs> that's funny uh so and like you said, it, it goes now all through uh, November, right? November first, I think right. is uh, well, yes, yes and no. So we have our fall festival that opens September 11th. That'll run till November first. Our stories, mm-hmm. riddles, and rhymes will open, or excuse me, will run through November. Have a drive-through, which will run, and then we actually, um, as of last year, had put in. Um, a holiday light show that throughout, you know, knowing that COVID was mm-hmm. this new drive through that will open on things. It's, it's, it's great. I'm sorry. Say, say that again about Thanksgiving. 
January 3rd. Well, I'm sorry. I apologize, Nicole. Just one thing about Thanksgiving. I wasn't, I wasn't sure what you, I missed that one part. At least I didn't hear it specifically. So we, our stories, riddles, and rhymes drive through is open now through November 1st. And then our fall Mm -hmm. festival and corn maze is open September 11th through November 1st. We are a fall light show, which is also a drive through and that will run the month of October. And then we okay. actually then have a holiday light show drive through, which we established last year in 2019. Um, and that will run Thanksgiving through January 3rd. That's great. I mean, I, I think the, the thing that makes people go back is I'm sure you probably have repeat customers who like to come we do. Mm-hmm. Um, for is, is you have to keep, you have to keep mixing it right. up, you know, providing a variety of, of entertainment options for it. And uh, so we, you, you mentioned you had a three-year-old. Are there any other kids, youngins that are in the yes that are the next yes. generation? Yep. So I have four children, ages eight, six, four, and three. Um, oh, and so okay. they're my best test market. And I'll tell you what, kids are honest, so they'll tell you exactly what. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You, you, they have to be honest with you, otherwise they don't get it, dinner. It, right. So this yep. is this is this is the best. It's like no, no, no. If you don't tell me if it's good or not, no yeah, pizza. Exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so no that's actually it's probably really great to be able to get that immediate feedback from um from their t- from your perfect test audience that's that's probably very it helpful is. it is very helpful uh and it actually has to as you i i, I think as you, like you said you went through it and you were 14 it has to be really exciting for you to see the joy in your kids eyes as they grow up being part of this process like it must be really cool it is to be able to see them take it in and it- uh, enjoy it. It is. It's very gratifying. I mean, there are times where, of course, you know, I think anyone running a small family business wants to pull their hair out. Of course, anyone at, you know, at any time sure. can have those moments. But, you know, when I stop and think and I look at my father-in-law who's 76 and my mother-in-law who's 70 and, and they're still at it. And then I look at the next generation that's in their late thirties. And then I look even to the next generation, which will be the fifth, you know, it is gratifying to see, people still in farming and it might not look exactly Mm -hmm. as it did um a hundred years ago or even 130 years ago which was when our farm was established um but it's still operating and even though it looks different we are still farming we are still growing um and it is it is nice to know that my kids will have that option should they so choose it to continue into it that's that's really a wonderful story i mean i i think it's something about I created this podcast, the idea of showing the value of experiences mm-hmm. and how it really is uh, transformational, not only uh, not only for the people you're trying to do it for, but for the creators themselves. And I think you have such a special version of that because you are it's built into your family bloodline. Basically. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, which is a talk about like passing from generation to generation. Like that's such an interesting um storyline you guys get to share so uh, kudos to you you. for for that um and all the information that people are in minnesota they want to go to is on the website that's right right? so we have our website is seversfestivals.com and that is where you can find out about all four of our events um and we've already kind of got our brains looking to 2021 and other ways that we can expand and and do more offerings so people should definitely keep an eye on that in our social media pages Awesome. And chicken samurai. I think let's just let chicken samurai. So true. 
and chicken samurais. For all you chicken samurai fans out there, and you know who you are, <laughs> now you have a place where you can go and see chicken samurais. That's right. In action. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nicole, thank you so much for for coming on the on the podcast today, uh, and I, I look forward to hearing more about all the fun adventures you have you have going on. Thank out you, there. David. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Take yep, care. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Return on Experience podcast. I'm your host, David Brownstein. I missed you. Welcome to season two. So just to let you know, maybe a little changes of what would be typical of uh, a return on experience. We had an opportunity to go through it uh, with a lot of the episodes and really enjoyed it. What we're probably going to make a transition to, considering that the experience world has taken a little bit of a turn right now, is that we're just really going to focus on people who are creating uh, the experiences. As much as we love to talk to audience members, hopefully we're going to get to those elements. Uh, for season two, we are just going to try reaching out to the uh, creators and developers of event experiences. A lot of them are happening online now. Uh, some are in person. Most of them are online where we try to give you a, a nice little mix of it. So that's going to be a little bit of change of what's happening. And a definite change started on this one with our guest today, Mr. Alan Berg. Now, Alan Berg is one of the premier speakers of people in the wedding industry. And he actually created a thing. I found him for another event called Wedding Pro Core, which is he's going to be speaking at on Thursday, the day this podcast drops. Uh, but I found out more about him that he has this thing where he does pop-up wedding workshops, that's what I'd say, pop-up wedding workshops where for a period of time he puts together this event and with people and just for a day, even short for a day, usually like three to five hours, he holds these experiences to help people in the wedding industry. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, but we ended up talking about a slew of things. Alan is an incredibly interesting person. Uh, we talked, we, we touched on a variety of topics and I can't wait to share the interview with you. Uh, here is Alan Berg on the Return on Experience podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Return on Experience podcast. I'm your host, David Brownstein. I missed you. Welcome to season two. So just to let you know, maybe a little changes of what would be typical of a uh, of return on experience. We had an opportunity to go through it uh, with a lot of the episodes and really enjoyed it. What we're probably going to make a transition to, considering that the experience world has taken a little bit of a turn right now, is that we're just really going to focus on people who are creating uh, the experiences. As much as we love to talk to audience members, hopefully we're going to get to those elements. Uh, for season two, we are just going to try reaching out to the uh, creators and developers of event experiences. A lot of them are happening online now. Uh, some are in person. Most of them are online where we try to give you a, a nice little mix of it. So that's going to be a little bit of change of what's happening. And a definite change started on this one with our guest today, Mr. Alan Berg. Now, Alan Berg is one of the premier speakers of people in the wedding industry. And he actually created a thing. I found him for another event called Wedding Pro Core, which is he's going to be speaking at on Thursday, the day this podcast drops. Uh, but I found out more about him that he has this thing where he does pop-up wedding workshops, that's what I would say, 
pop-up wedding workshops where for a period of time he puts together this event and with people and just for a day, even shorter for a day, usually like three to five hours, he holds these experiences to help people in the wedding industry. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, but we ended up talking about a slew of things. Alan is an incredibly interesting person. Uh, we talked, we, we touched upon a variety of topics, and I can't wait to share the interview with you. Uh, here is Alan Berg on the Return on Experience podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Return on Experience podcast. I'm your host, David Brownstein. I missed you. Welcome to season two. So just to let you know, maybe a little changes of what would be typical of uh, a return on experience. We had an opportunity to go through it uh, with a lot of the episodes and really enjoyed it. What we're probably going to make a transition to, considering that the experience world has taken a little bit of a turn right now, is that we're just really going to focus on people who are creating uh, the experiences. As much as we love to talk to audience members, hopefully we're going to get to those elements. Uh, for season two, we are just going to try reaching out to the uh, creators and developers of event experiences. A lot of them are happening online now. Uh, some are in person. Most of them are online where we try to give you a, a nice little mix of it. So that's going to be a little bit of change of what's happening. And a definite change started on this one with our guest today, Mr. Alan Berg. Now, Alan Berg is one of the premier speakers of people in the wedding industry. And he actually created a thing. I found him for another event called Wedding Pro Core, which is he's going to be speaking at on Thursday, the day this podcast drops. Uh, but I found out more about him that he has this thing where he does pop-up wedding workshops. That's what I would say. Pop-up wedding workshops where for a period of time he puts together this event and with people and just for a day, even shorter for a day, usually like three to five hours, he holds these experiences to help people in the wedding industry. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, but we ended up talking about a slew of things. Alan is an incredibly interesting person. Uh, we talked, we, we touched upon a variety of topics, and I can't wait to share the interview with you. Uh, here is Alan Berg on the Return on Experience podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Return on Experience podcast. I'm your host, David Brownstein. I missed you. Welcome to season two. So just to let you know, maybe a little changes of what would be typical of uh, a return on experience. We had an opportunity to go through it uh, with a lot of the episodes and really enjoyed it. What we're probably going to make a transition to, considering that the experience world has taken a little bit of a turn right now, is that we're just really going to focus on people who are creating uh, the experiences. As much as we love to talk to audience members, hopefully we're going to get to those elements. Uh, for season two, we are just going to try reaching out to the uh, creators and developers of event experiences. A lot of them are happening online now. Uh, some are in person. Most of them are online where we try to give you a, a nice little mix of it. So that's going to be a little bit of change of what's happening. And a definite change started on this one with our guest today, Mr. Alan Berg. Now, Alan Berg is one of the premier speakers of people in the wedding industry. And he actually created a thing. I found him for another event called Wedding Pro Core, which is he's going to be speaking at on Thursday, the day this podcast drops. Uh, but I found out more about him that he has this thing where he does pop-up wedding 
workshops. That's what I'd say. Pop-up wedding workshops where for a period of time he puts together this event and with people and just for a day, even short for a day, usually like three to five hours, he holds these experiences to help people in the wedding industry. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, but we ended up talking about a slew of things. Alan is an incredibly interesting person. Uh, we talked, we, we touched upon a variety of topics, and I can't wait to share the interview with you. Uh, here is Alan Berg on the Return on Experience podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Return on Experience podcast. I'm your host, David Brownstein. I missed you. Welcome to season two. So just to let you know, maybe a little changes of what would be typical of uh, a return on experience. We had an opportunity to go through it uh, with a lot of the episodes and really enjoyed it. What we're probably going to make a transition to, considering that the experience world has taken a little bit of a turn right now, is that we're just really going to focus on people who are creating uh, the experiences. As much as we love to talk to audience members, hopefully we're going to get to those elements. Uh, for season two, we are just going to try reaching out to the uh, creators and the developers of event experiences. A lot of them are happening online now. Uh, some are in person. Most of them are online where we try to give you a, a nice little mix of it. So that's going to be a little bit of change of what's happening. And a definite change started on this one with our guest today, Mr. Alan Berg. Now, Alan Berg is one of the premier speakers of people in the wedding industry. And he actually created a thing. I found him for another event called Wedding Pro Core, which is he's going to be speaking at on Thursday, the day this podcast drops. Uh, but I found out more about him that he has this thing where he does pop-up wedding workshops. That's what I'd say. Pop-up wedding workshops where for a period of time he puts together this event and with people and just for a day, even short for a day, usually like three to five hours, he holds these experiences to help people in the wedding industry. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, but we ended up talking about a slew of things. Alan is an incredibly interesting person. Uh, we talked, we, we touched upon a variety of topics, and I can't wait to share the interview with you. Uh, here is Alan Berg on the Return on Experience podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Return on Experience podcast. I'm your host, David Brownstein. I missed you. Welcome to season two. So just to let you know, maybe a little changes of what would be typical of uh, a return on experience. We had an opportunity to go through it uh, with a lot of the episodes and really enjoyed it. What we're probably going to make a transition to, considering that the experience world has taken a little bit of a turn right now, is that we're just really going to focus on people who are creating uh, the experiences. As much as we love to talk to audience members, hopefully we're going to get to those elements. Uh, for season two, we are just going to try reaching out to the uh, creators and developers of event experiences. A lot of them are happening online now. Uh, some are in person. Most of them are online where we try to give you a, a nice little mix of it. So that's going to be a little bit of change of what's happening. And a definite change started on this one with our guest today, Mr. Alan Berg. Now, Alan Berg is one of the premier speakers of people in the wedding industry. And he actually created a thing. I found him for another event called Wedding Pro Core, which is he's going to be speaking at on Thursday, the day this podcast drops. Uh, but I found out more about him that he has this thing where he does pop-up wedding workshops. That's what I'd say. 
pop-up wedding workshops where for a period of time he puts together this event and with people and just for a day, even shorter for a day, usually like three to five hours, he holds these experiences to help people in the wedding industry. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, but we ended up talking about a slew of things. Alan is an incredibly interesting person. Uh, we talked, we, we touched upon a variety of topics, and I can't wait to share the interview with you. Uh, here is Alan Berg on the Return on Experience podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Return on Experience podcast. I'm your host, David Brownstein. I missed you. Welcome to season two. So just to let you know, maybe a little changes of what would be typical of uh, a return on experience. We had an opportunity to go through it uh, with a lot of the episodes and really enjoyed it. What we're probably going to make a transition to, considering that the experience world has taken a little bit of a turn right now, is that we're just really going to focus on people who are creating uh, the experiences. As much as we love to talk to audience members, hopefully we're going to get to those elements. Uh, for season two, we are just going to try reaching out to the uh, creators and developers of event experiences. A lot of them are happening online now. Uh, some are in person. Most of them are online where we try to give you a, a nice little mix of it. So that's going to be a little bit of change of what's happening. And a definite change started on this one with our guest today, Mr. Alan Berg. Now, Alan Berg is one of the premier speakers of people in the wedding industry. And he actually created a thing. I found him for another event called Wedding Pro Core, which is he's going to be speaking at on Thursday, the day this podcast drops. Uh, but I found out more about him that he has this thing where he does pop-up wedding workshops. That's what I would say. Pop-up wedding workshops where for a period of time he puts together this event and with people and just for a day, even shorter for a day, usually like three to five hours, he holds these experiences to help people in the wedding industry. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, but we ended up talking about a slew of things. Alan is an incredibly interesting person. Uh, we talked, we, we touched upon a variety of topics, and I can't wait to share the interview with you. Uh, here is Alan Berg on the Return on Experience podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Return on Experience podcast. I'm your host, David Brownstein. I missed you. Welcome to season two. So just to let you know, maybe a little changes of what would be typical of uh, a return on experience. We had an opportunity to go through it uh, with a lot of the episodes and really enjoyed it. What we're probably going to make a transition to, considering that the experience world has taken a little bit of a turn right now, is that we're just really going to focus on people who are creating uh, the experiences. As much as we love to talk to audience members, hopefully we're going to get to those elements. Uh, for season two, we are just going to try reaching out to the uh, creators and developers of event experiences. A lot of them are happening online now. Uh, some are in person. Most of them are online where we try to give you a, a nice little mix of it. So that's going to be a little bit of change of what's happening. And a definite change started on this one with our guest today, Mr. Alan Berg. Now, Alan Berg is one of the premier speakers of people in the wedding industry. And he actually created a thing. I found him for another event called Wedding Pro Core, which is he's going to be speaking at on Thursday, the day this podcast drops. Uh, but I found out more about him that he has this thing where he does pop-up wedding workshops. That's what I would say. Pop-up wedding workshops 
where for a period of time he puts together this event and with people and just for a day, even short for a day, usually like three to five hours, he holds these experiences to help people in the wedding industry. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, but we ended up talking about a slew of things. Alan is an incredibly interesting person. Uh, we talked, we, we touched upon a variety of topics, and I can't wait to share the interview with you. Uh, here is Alan Berg on the Return on Experience podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Return on Experience podcast. I'm your host, David Brownstein. I missed you. Welcome to season two. So just to let you know, maybe a little changes of what would be typical of uh, a return on experience. We had an opportunity to go through it uh, with a lot of the episodes and really enjoyed it. What we're probably going to make a transition to, considering that the experience world has taken a little bit of a turn right now, is that we're just really going to focus on people who are creating uh, the experiences. As much as we love to talk to audience members, hopefully we're going to get to those elements. Uh, for season two, we are just going to try reaching out to the uh, creators and developers of event experiences. A lot of them are happening online now. Uh, some are in person. Most of them are online where we try to give you a, a nice little mix of it. So that's going to be a little bit of change of what's happening. And a definite change started on this one with our guest today, Mr. Alan Berg. Now, Alan Berg is one of the premier speakers of people in the wedding industry. And he actually created a thing. I found him for another event called Wedding Pro Core, which is he's going to be speaking at on Thursday, the day this podcast drops. Uh, but I found out more about him that he has this thing where he does pop-up wedding workshops. That's what I would say. Pop-up wedding workshops where for a period of time he puts together this event and with people and just for a day, even short for a day, usually like three to five hours, he holds these experiences to help people in the wedding industry. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, but we ended up talking about a slew of things. Alan is an incredibly interesting person. Uh, we talked, we, we touched upon a variety of topics, and I can't wait to share the interview with you. Uh, here is Alan Berg on the Return on Experience podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Return on Experience podcast. I'm your host, David Brownstein. I missed you. Welcome to season two. So just to let you know, maybe a little changes of what would be typical of uh, a return on experience. We had an opportunity to go through it uh, with a lot of the episodes and really enjoyed it. What we're probably going to make a transition to, considering that the experience world has taken a little bit of a turn right now, is that we're just really going to focus on people who are creating uh, the experiences. As much as we love to talk to audience members, hopefully we're going to get to those elements. Uh, for season two, we are just going to try reaching out to the uh, creators and developers of event experiences. A lot of them are happening online now. Uh, some are in person. Most of them are online where we try to give you a, a nice little mix of it. So that's going to be a little bit of change of what's happening. And a definite change started on this one with our guest today, Mr. Alan Berg. Now, Alan Berg is one of the premier speakers of people in the wedding industry. And he actually created a thing. I found him for another event called Wedding Pro Core, which is he's going to be speaking at on Thursday, the day this podcast drops. Uh, but I found out more about him that he has this thing where he does pop-up wedding 
workshops, as I would say, pop-up wedding workshops where for a period of time he puts together this event and with people and just for a day, even short for a day, usually like three to five hours, he holds these experiences to help people in the wedding industry. Um, and, and I want to talk about that, but we ended up talking about a slew of things. Alan is an incredibly interesting person. Uh, we talked, we, we touched upon a variety of topics, and I can't wait to share the interview with you. Uh, here is Alan Berg on the Return on Experience podcast. <laughs> 